Hey, it's episode 14 of the TV Junk Podcast, and this is Willow. Damn that television! My name is Greg. Thanks for listening to the pod. Check out our socials, TV Junk Podcast on Twitter, TV Junk Podcast at uh, gmail.com for any uh, questions and concerns. Uh, we got a pretty big show. I got a couple of great guests. So let's introduce them. Uh, first, we've got Nuno on the show. Hey, Greg. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Are you ready to talk about uh, Willow? I, I am, yes. Awesome. And we also got Dax on the show. Dax, how you doing, buddy? Hey, what's up, Film Junk fam and Film Junk listeners? Uh, it feels like it's been a minute since I've been on a TV junk, and I'm glad to be back. Ready to talk some sweet Willow Uffgood. <laughs> <laughs> he has the best uh, last name. Yeah, it's a pretty good last he, name. Yeah. He, he does have a good last George name. George Lucas is good at naming people, I find. Yeah. Like his, his, his writing of names and kind of like story building like uh you know is is i find pretty good overall when he's written fantasy stuff so um before we get actually into uh the podcast since since i have uh uh the two of you uh on the this episode because we we often do all the marvel shows and uh i think the last time we did one together we talked about the upcoming insane Marvel slate that had been mm. announced or, or rumored and that took like 25 minutes. But uh, um, I'm sure you guys both know that James Gunn is now the new head of, uh, of DC over at Warner Brothers. And uh, uh, yesterday he uh, revealed uh, the first slate of things that are coming down the pipeline under his watch. And uh, whereas Marvel calls them phases, he calls them chapters. And uh, so chapter one is called Gods and Monsters, and they announced uh, uh, the movies, and uh, I think the five five movies and, and five television shows. I'm just going to run them by you guys, and I kind of wanted to get your, your quick takes on uh, on your thoughts of, uh, of what he has. So we'll start with the films, and uh, essentially to, uh, uh, I think, to kick off everything, um, July 11th, 2025 is the expected uh, release date for Superman Legacy. And uh, this is completely uh, a, a reboot from anything we've seen before. Um, essentially, I think anything that we had seen previously in, in the DC is going to be labeled as DC Elseworlds. And this is going to be the main DC universe. Um, and so Superman expected this to be like a 25 year old guy. He wants to start the actors, uh, young and, um, it's gonna not really introduce us to Kal-El because I mean, we've seen enough. Everybody knows who Kal-El is, but it's going to kind of be more of a, a youngish Superman. Like Clark Kent, maybe, or is it going to be kind of like, do you think Smallville-ish? Um, they haven't really said that, but I do think he's still going to be kind of like finding his way. And oh, okay. uh, that's so, so scale of one to 10 excitement meter for Superman legacy. I'll jump in right away as I was, uh, I would say when I was a kid, like Superman was my, my shit. Like I was, it was Superman and star Wars, my two things. Um, I haven't read any of the books, but I mean, any more than my other comic knowledge, but Superman always was, was near and dear to my heart. And I loved the man of steel and, uh, and and Henry Cavill stuff. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I was, I definitely wasn't out, you know, uh, crusading on the f internet forums for uh, him to be saved. But at the same time, 
I was excited when I heard that they were bringing him back. And then all of a sudden it happened again where they're not. <laughs> so uh, I guess I'm kind of like, well, I mean, I'm going to watch it, but I was kind of hoping that Henry Cavill was coming back for that Superman stuff. You know, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You know what? I, uh, I listened to the, the presentation and um, I, I follow DC comics on my socials and uh, they've kind of like hinted at where they're drawing the inspiration from. <clears throat> And for and for the, is it called Su- Superman Legacy? Yeah, yeah. Um, it looks as though they they've they're already showing images from, I think it was Grant Morrison's um, All Star Superman, and that was a really out there, pretty awesome comic. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the of the Snyderverse, as people called it, and uh, I'm thinking a fresh start is probably good. I didn't mind Henry Cavill. I thought he was good. I just don't feel like, unfortunately, the films he was in weren't all that amazing. Well, I agree. I agree. The DC thing was terrible. Like it didn't like they tried and it was awful. And I felt bad for the people in it because it was you could tell it was supposed to be something fantastic. Right. And it was just yeah. so subpar. I do think that Man of Steel was fantastic. Or was that what was the first one with Superman? Right. Yeah, with Cavill. Yeah, yeah I love that movie. I still watch it. I still really enjoy it. I thought it was great. Um, and there was some stuff that, of course, isn't fantastic, but I still, I still like to watch it. But uh, yeah, I agree. The I kind of force fed uh, Batman or what was the second one? Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Dawn of Justice. Yes. So, yeah, I, I force fed <laughs> that a little bit because you know the fight and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, uh, Justice League was a pile of dog shit and stuff. So yeah, I agree. Did you uh, did you see the the Zack Snyder cut of did. Justice no, League? I, I did. I I I recommend it because it's a hell of a lot better. I heard it was better. Yeah. Now and uh, you know, I've I've shat on a lot of these DC movies, which is uh, unfortunate because I, I think it actually uh, makes me appreciate some of the some of the worst Marvel films a little bit more because they're not as bad. But like mm-hmm. I grew up. Uh, mostly on DC Comics. Like, I, I, I have a pretty solid Avengers run still, um, tucked away in a room that I haven't looked at in probably 20 years. But, uh, and, like, I, I read a little bit of Spider-Man and uh, and the Hulk when I was a kid. But for the most part, like, I was reading, uh, um, you know, Batman. I was reading Robin and Nightwing and Titans and, like, Green Arrow and Flash and like Black Canary and uh, and uh, Birds of Prey. Like I was reading all, like I was reading Blue Beetle and Booster Gold and Captain, I was reading <laughs> all Gold, of the baby. DC stuff, right? And uh, so th- that was the stuff that I really, that I really wanted to see. Like all, there was like six Justice League titles. There was a Justice League Europe and International and Justice League Task Force, which was super cool, I thought. And I just, you know, like I, I really wanted more from, uh, than what we got over the last little while. And it's weird that he, uh, that James Gunn kind of announced like this whole new slate, considering there are still, what, four DC movies from the past regime that are coming out this year. Because there's, there's Shazam 2. Flash. Okay. Right? Well, Shazam 2 is coming out. And apparently, they've, uh, people have spotted uh, uh, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman, in the, in the trailer. Mm. Um, so, like, I, I didn't know that she was going to be around anymore, but she's in Shazam. And apparently um, uh, Ezra Miller in the Flash film scenes with both 
Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman. Uh, so that one's coming out. Uh, Blue Beetle is coming out later on as well uh, in the summer with the uh, with the young Blue Beetle. Uh, I think his name is Jamie Reyes. Um, and then uh, the Aquaman sequel in in December. So I don't, right. I don't know if I don't, like he kind of hinted that Flash is going to restart sort of everything at the end um and like kind of reboot everything so i don't know if blue beetle and aquaman are going to be part of the reboot or if they're you know in the timeline they're going to actually be before it or what it's 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 still a little bit confusing but i'm sure they'll they'll figure it out and, and make sense of everything uh the next movie that they announced uh is the uh, the brave and the bold which is kind of their introduction of, of Batman into uh, into James Gunn's DCU, and it's going to be based around uh, um, a story featuring uh, Damian Batman, Damian Wayne uh, as Robin, um, and so this the he's kind of skipped past Dick Grayson and Tim Drake and Jason Todd and just kind of starting with Damian Wayne uh, as the current Robin, which would make me think that Batman is probably at least going to be in his thirties. I'm guessing. You know, if Damien Wayne's probably 14 or 15 years old, uh, maybe a little bit older, I don't know. Uh, but uh, so Batman would be a little bit older than Superman. But uh, uh, are you, have you guys ever read any of the stuff with Damien Wayne as Robin? I had read that entire first um, arc um, and I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, when uh, when DC kept on mentioning the films uh, for the first time, I was like, oh, this is all pretty contemporary recent stuff and it's all stuff that I read. I really started getting into DC over the past, maybe six years or so. I've been trying to go back and catch up on some of the, you know, uh, titles that people really, you know, recommended and heralded as, you know, really, really interesting stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very familiar with all those stories. It's, it's a cool, it's a good jumping off point just to do something different because everyone always says, you know, what's going to make this Batman different from the Matt Reeves Batman, which like you mentioned is going to be Elseworlds. Right. So, yeah, I mean, we, we all know the Batman story. We've all seen several reboots at this point. Why not just jump right in with an established Batman established bat family? Yeah, I, I I haven't read much at all with uh, uh, Damien. Really, the only um, like uh, intro to Damien Wayne that I have is is some of the the DC animated stuff. Yeah. Um, so that's that's really all that I'm I'm familiar with. Um, uh, Dax, you, did you ever read any of that stuff? I was hoping you were going to skip right past me because yeah. I had nothing yeah. to offer. Yeah. No, I didn't read any. I never read any DC stuff ever. Oh, like, okay. I barely read Marvel shit, but I mean, I, I would say the only DC I ever really read was was when Superman died. That series with the Doomsday right. stuff and the lead up to it, I kind of traced it back into the the run before that, where it was hopping between the different franchises. And uh, yeah, but uh, that's about it. Uh, one so of the other films. I trust is... you guys that you that it's a good idea. Man, you really. I, I like you got that glass again. What the glass? big mug? Your big yeah. mug. Yeah, some water. Yeah, I'm drinking some water. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which is based on uh, uh, Tom King's uh, series. Uh, it kind of presents a, a different Supergirl because I mean we kind of all have that idea of what Supergirl is, um, 
but this one, like, where Superman was raised with, like, a family on Earth, uh, Supergirl, after Krypton explodes, was kind of uh, left alone on, like, a rock. And so she's a lot more bitter uh, in this storyline. I've never actually read it. I just kind of read and I, uh, what it was uh, about. Uh, so it's kind of a different take on what we've seen with uh, Supergirl before. Um, what's your interest level on uh, on a Supergirl film? Um, again, uh, it's based on a series that came out just last year, and I followed it. I follow that. I follow that artist, uh, Bill Quis, I believe is her name. Yeah, she's amazing. Um, it was a really cool story. Um, I would say it's kind of, it's kind of fashioned after like a a western. I think in the sense that it's about, um, you know, this this uh, this young alien girl who uh happens to run into supergirl and supergirl is known throughout the galaxy because she's you know at this you know she's been this legendary character and she kind of takes her under this wing like take this girl is out for vengeance against someone who killed her father and they pretty much travel the the universe and supergirl is like mentoring her and saying that she'll she'll kill this guy for this girl and they kind of run into these weird adventures and there's times where Supergirl loses her powers for different reasons and uh and she's pretty badass like she still has like the, tr- the traditional garb but she swears a lot and she gets bloodied <laughs> a lot and uh she's like yeah she's pretty she's pretty grumpy it was a really fun story I feel like people like that seems to be the winning uh I know I'm not saying anything fantastically new here but it People always seem to relate to characters with the edge, eh? like the Batman edge, the the yeah. angsty, you know, like they're not perfect. That's I think that was DC's problem is that so many of the characters were like these perfect specimens of gods and, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, for like for their main characters. You know, I'm not saying the deep run stuff, but other than Batman. Right. Um, but I mean, I feel like Marvel has a lot more of that, like the the Deadpools, the Logans, the, you know, all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Um, I'd be stoked to see that because I'm it's something new, right? Like Supergirl. Yeah, I'd love to see that. And especially if it's if they're gonna kind of put a put an edge on it. I'm I'm into that for sure. Uh speaking of of something new that we haven't seen yet, uh a film based on the authority. Um, like I think I was actually still uh collecting comics when the authority came out. I think it was late nineties. Uh and this was by uh Warren Ellison and Brian Hitch. Who kind of? Uh, I, I guess it was kind of a, a a different take on, I would say, the Justice League. Like these are the same guys that did uh, Marvel Ultimates, which is what the MCU is kind of been based on. Um, and so the Authority is kind of a, a like a superhero team that has kind of decided that uh, um, they need to get the job done by any means necessary. So they're not they're they're not afraid to kill people. There's like a Superman uh, character. I can't remember what his name is, uh, but there's like a, a Batman character named Midnighter who's kind of like a sadistic bastard. Um, I have not thought of the Authority in almost 25 years since it's come out. Like I, I read it when it came out and then kind of forgot about it. Then I haven't really talked about it since. So I was kind of surprised that they're really reaching back to something like this to to do a film on, especially in in the the first chapter of what they're doing um dax i'm assuming you didn't read the authority that assumption would be correct but 
Assumption would be correct. Uh, Nuno? Um, I read I read the first story arc when, uh, is it Jenny Sparks? She was the leader. Yeah, I read I read her story arc uh, back when it was still separate from DC. And then I was reading Action Comics for the past year or so. And I realized that the Authority are now part of the DC Universe. I, th- I think. Oh, I thought, okay. Yeah, like it, they've they kind of integrated them a while ago when Jim Lee became Jim Lee's the publisher of DC Comics. He's like the head, yeah, uh, publishing guy. Um, he integrated all of his image characters from Wildstorm. They're now canon in DC. Okay. Since since I think the New Fifty Two, which was like I don't know ten years ago or longer. So um, yeah, I'm I'm familiar. Yeah, like um, Apollo and Midnighter. Uh, pop up a lot in some of the comics I've been reading. So um, again, yeah, it's uh, it's it seems like a good fit for James Gunn. I know he's writing a lot of stuff, which is surprising. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, they're very. I mean, you read it. They're very dark, very edgy, um, kind of like yeah, counterparts to Justice League. One of uh, one of the characters that in in that story that. Uh... I I thought was super interesting was uh, was Jack Hawksmore. Um he he uh he's the guy that uh uh he got his powers uh based on uh he was like physically bonded to the city that he was in where he drew his strength from that particular city which is okay. kind of like a, an out there superpower um but uh uh so I'm kind of interested in 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 the authority. And then the last one uh, which I'm super excited about because I loved the like uh, uh, the films that they made in the 80s, and I, I really liked the the television show that they made uh, just a couple of years ago. But Swamp Thing is is going to be closing out the first chapter of of uh, of the films. Um, yeah, I've always been a big fan of uh, uh, Swamp Thing. I mean, Alan Moore's run is is pretty legendary on Swamp Thing. And uh, kind of a cool character um, that I'm interested to see uh, what James Gunn uh, can do with that. Uh, any uh, any history with Swamp Thing at all, Dax? No, I just like how you're raking me over the coals here, though. Raking, <laughs> for, for a guy over... that grew up in a comic book warehouse. Now, don't get me wrong. I saw all, everyone you're talking about. I saw the books, but I just never... <laughs> I never And I packaged them. I sold them to... I, I put them in boxes for people or put them into... Um, those uh, the two dollar bags, like the back to back bags yep. you'd find on the spinners. Oh, yeah. I used to do all that shit for like a quarter. I'd go in there on mm-hmm. a Saturday. And my dad would we'd sit up in the top of the warehouse and bag these two for ones uh, for like fifty cent allowance or some shit. And uh, yeah, I didn't um, didn't read them. No. Uh, Swamp Thing, Nuno. You know what? I never really read much of Swamp Thing. I mean, I've seen him pop up and stuff. I've read over the years. Always knew who he was. But, yeah. I did a drawing of Swamp Thing a couple of months ago on uh, that I posted on Instagram. You can see it. But very uh, cool. That's about all I've done. Um, and and then the the TV shows, which I, I'm assuming are going to be on the well, it's, it's no longer called HBO Max. It's isn't it just called Max or something like that? Their their, their streaming service. I can't remember what no it's idea. called. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so they announced five television shows. Uh, and I'm actually I'm interested in in all five. Um. The, the the first one is an animated show uh, that James Gunn is going to be writing uh, called The Creature Commandos. Uh, uh, Amanda Waller is 
forming another superhero team out of uh, monster prisoners. I know, like, I think Frankenstein's monster is one of them, and there's a bunch of other creatures. Um, uh, he did say that he's planning on uh, on getting specific voice actors who could also be in in a live action uh do the live action characters as well so there's going to be some uh you know continuity uh there uh but i i don't know much at all about the creature commandos i think i i i i saw ads for some of the comics in the early 80s when i was growing up reading that stuff but i don't know much about them uh seems like an odd choice to kind of uh, kick off the television group with the, with that one um any thoughts on the creature commandos I have never heard of them until, yeah. yes, until yesterday. Yeah. Um, and then uh, um, Viola Davis is, uh, is again picking up her role as Amanda Waller in a live action show based around her. Um, it's going to have a lot of the characters from Peacemaker in it as well. I, you know, I like her as, uh, as Amanda Waller. She's a good actress. I think it'll probably be pretty decent, uh, especially if they feature some of the Peacemaker stuff. Um, I mentioned this guy before. And uh, he's going to have a television show, Booster Gold. That's right. Uh, uh, a, lo a lot of rumors about uh, who could be playing uh, Booster Gold already uh, flowing online. Uh, basically, anybody that was in any of the Guardians of the Galaxy movies have been pegged to be characters in, uh, in, in James Gunn's DCU. Somebody said Chris Pratt for Booster Gold. I don't know about that. Um, but... Uh, so we're going to get a show on, on him again. I, I read his comic, you know, I kind of liked that. He was kind of just like a celebrity that got superpowers and, and, uh, well, he, and, uh, he, he kind of wanted to be a hero, uh, but he was more, uh, more of just like, a you know, he was just like a famous guy that nobody really ever took seriously. Um, do you read any uh, booster gold stuff? Uh, Nuno? Um, not really. I'm familiar with, with his team ups with, uh, with blue beetle like they had a series and yeah. um yeah I, you know what i think i used to watch justice league the animated series which pretty much featured every dc character yes. ever i think it was yeah. justice league unlimited so i think i learned i got a lot of schooling from that show and i think that yeah like 15 years ago i think i had this idea i think it was when um maybe yeah i i had this crazy idea that they should make a blue beetle booster gold film because at the time, Marvel was dominating. DC just had a really a lot of dark, brooding stuff, and I was like, you know what? I think it was on it was it was on the heels of people saying that Jack Black should should be Green Lantern after <laughs> after the Ryan Reynolds film did really badly. And I was thinking, okay, before Marvel snatches them up, I want Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller to be Booster Gold and Blue Beetle. Sure, and like set it in the eighties and make it all you know make it a comedy but it never happened and no. now now Owen Wilson got snatched up by the MCU so yeah um I didn't like I remember I will add my two cents I saw many booster gold comic covers uh <laughs> in the old warehouse and I remember hating like even as a as a, a baby art art boy back in the day before I'd even had any other than hobby drawings I remember not liking his costume. I thought the color, I didn't like yellow and blue. I remember just not, not liking it. It didn't hold a candle to like the X-Men costumes and shit. And I was just like, don't like this guy. Not into it. Didn't even open the cover. I was like, nope, not into him. 
the last two shows, uh, um, I, I found rather interesting how they described it. The first one, uh, is lanterns, um, which is, um, lantern core or whatever. Well, it's, it's Hal Jordan and John Stewart on earth. And it's, uh, um, they kind of described it a little bit as a, as a dark mystery, kind of like, uh, uh, maybe, a um, what's the, what was that cop show with, uh, Oh, a true detective, true detective, uh, with, uh, with Hal and John Stewart. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll, that, that's an interesting description. And then, uh, a show that kind of described a little bit as a uh, game of Thrones style, uh, set in uh Themyscira called paradise Lost. So long before, Wonder Woman. It's going to be the history of uh, of the Amazons in Themyscira, and uh, as they say, it's very Game of Thronesy. Uh, any any uh, particular interest in, uh, in out of those last two? I None? like the, I like the idea that it's the history of Themyscira and not taking place during like a Wonder Woman's era. So yeah, why not? Yeah. So I I, I find it interesting that. Uh, um, there's a couple of, of the big guns, you know, there's a Superman movie, there's a Batman movie, and then, um, you know, Green Lanterns in a television show, but the rest of it is kind of, you know, lower level stuff. But I mean, uh, a lot of people scoffed at Guardians of the Galaxy, and it uh, turned out to be, you know, one of the, the, the best couple of, uh, of, of the MCU, two, their two films. So, um, I think I think something to look forward to. Uh, at, uh, at least they seem to have a bit of a plan, and uh, we'll we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll see what uh, James Gunn can do. Do you expect any of the uh, any of the current actors who have roles as in in the in the DCU to be to come back? Like, do you expect Ezra Miller or or um, who else? Uh, what, what, God, I can't remember who's the guy that plays Aquaman. Jason Momoa. Oh, Jason Momoa. And yeah, he's then, probably uh, their biggest then... draw right now financially. I mean, Aquaman three will probably do okay, um, just because it's him and he's got like a name. I feel like I, I I don't know, man. I just feel like, especially when when Flash flops and the other two, I think Aquaman's gonna be the only one that makes any money from the four that come out this year. The rest of them are gonna die. Like they're gonna be. No one's gonna give a shit. In my opinion, okay, take this now as like Dax said on this date, those are going to flop, be terrible. And they're probably just going to want to cut everything out of that and do like a new fresh take with this James Gunn thing. Uh, that's my take on it, I think. Yeah. I, I, a lot of people, you know, Ezra Miller, he, they um, have uh, have had a lot of problems <laughs> in, yeah. in the last little while. Uh, um personal problems uh so it'll be interesting to see how people respond to that film and then and just recently zachary levi got into a little bit of hot water or uh over his uh you know uh, reported uh thoughts on vaccines and stuff so we'll we'll see uh how how those things uh play out um but uh you know uh People really need to uh, learn how to promote films a little bit better and <laughs> stay off of social media and uh, and try not to you know break the law before your movie comes out. Amen. <laughs> all right, so let's uh, let's get into Willow. First of all, um, 
I want to know about uh, you know your guys, uh, you know uh, your your history with with Willow. You know, nineteen eighty eight. This film Willow comes out um, in theaters, directed by Ron Howard. Val Kilmer was a was a pretty big star at that point. Uh, I think this is pre wife Joanne Whaley. I think this was before they they got married. Warwick Davis um, in a and and kind of a like you know a, one of those uh, '80s fantasy films along the lines of of, of Labyrinth and Neverending Story and Dark Crystal uh, that uh, seemed to be very popular. Um, Dax, were you in that theater in 1988 to see Willow? I don't remember if I saw it in the theater, but I probably it's probably one of the nights that my dad would bring home a VHS tape for Tuesday night movie night or whatever like that. But I mean, I felt a lot, Willow was like at the top of my list for like if i think back to my childhood and um very nostalgic i loved willow i loved everything about it at that time i think i was pretty much in love with everything george lucas was doing right uh like e battle for endor ewoks all that shit like i loved it all like there was just something about the way there was like a kind of like a visual kind of feel and the set this audio as well like the scores are all very kind of similar um that kind of had this like I noticed in all like the Ewok movies and in the, in Willow, he loved to use like the sprites, like the the like the little light animation beams that would bounce around the screen and like the, with that kind of fairy noise and stuff like that. Yep. And it was just it was very comforting as a kid, and it just kind of brought it, enough of it together. Where, and I mean, like I loved the fantasy stuff of Falcon. And this is the first movie I think I, I knew Val Kilmer from um, when I was younger, and uh, I had a crush on. Uh, short Sorsha big time like I had a massive crush on her and uh, I just loved the movie like loved 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 and so I, I remember when it came out on like uh, it was one of those like nostalgic buys I bought on DVD back when I was started collecting DVDs and stuff like that so yeah I, I, I loved which is why I agreed to do the show and I wanted to see I was kind of hoping that I would enjoy the TV show because I mean like why the hell would they so many years later dip back in here I wanted to see what was going to happen and uh but yeah, no, I love the original content for sure. Nuno, what about you? Um, I've, well, first, uh, Dax, can I can I ruin your crush a bit? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, one of the, one of the one of the last things I saw is it Joanne Whaler? Whaler? Whaley? Whaley? Yeah, sorry. Whaley. Uh, well, you probably you probably know this, but I don't know if you recognize. I don't her. know anything. I, oh. I I recognize her in this show, but I haven't seen okay. her since, as far as I knew. You've seen her before. Yeah. She played Sister Maggie. On Daredevil season three, aka. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, and I did recognize her in that show. I didn't yeah. hate her in that show. No, no, she, no, she's awesome in it. Yeah, I'm just saying, like you know, like she's she was so good as that like character. Oh, for sure, yeah, it for was, sure. Like, it's so removed from how I remember her in the 80s. You right? know what? You're right. I remember specifically watching Daredevil because I love Daredevil. Like that yeah. season, the series was insanely good. And I remember watching that show and going, where do I know her from? And I spent like three or four episodes going, where do I know her? Where? And I was so proud of myself when I figured out it was Sorsha. And nice. I think it was because, you know, her voice, you could tell there was something. I'm like, where do I recognize that face from? And then eventually it dawned on me that it was Sorsha. Yeah, for sure. So did not ruin my crush, Nuno. I'm, good. I'm still <laughs> <Okay>. crushing hard. <laughs> nice. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I didn't watch Willow in the theaters. I watched it on home video. But it it stuck with me. I had some very vivid memories, um, mostly about um, the scene where everyone gets turned into pigs at the end. Oh yeah, yeah. That that like anything terrifying that, as a kid. 
Yes, kind of like like I remember that, and then the effects in in the witches when the kid gets turned into a yep. mouse, like the mouse. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. halfway like prosthetics, and then into like stop motion or whatever they did. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That stuff like was always burned into my mind oh, as yeah. being really, really, um, yeah, just really freaky. For sure. It was like oh, that's in the stuff that like people of like this generation won't get that. You know what I mean? Like that they'll have different things that are scary to them. But I mean, definitely, I agree with you that every movie that you reference there, all those things, it's true. Like there's certain things that just kind of were like whoa as a kid, freaked freaking yeah. out. They were yeah. those dark moments in movies uh, that scared the shit out of me. And like even those the dogs in Willow, you know, like yes. the, they can't, you could tell they put like weird pig pelts on on just regular dogs, dogs and have them yes. run around. And those scared the shit out of me, like especially when it, it eats the the woman, the maid putting the baby in the river, and like the, you see her get tackled. Oh, by yeah, in yeah. the very beginning, I was I was terrified as a kid. But yeah, I'm like uh, like Labyrinth. Uh, I have never seen the movie Willow. What? Wow! Yeah, I never oh watched it. Oh my god, it's so good, dude! It's way too good. You know, uh... the stone acorns. Oh my god, way too good. Bud. Have Have you watched it like? now like no i still haven't watched oh, it oh no you can't have this be your first thing of willow you know so, I, yeah, no. I, 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 I will say I, I watched it as a kid i re-watched it right before the first episode yeah and i and i wasn't crazy about it re-watching oh, it come, come on but i mean obviously it's not like like it's not oscar film like it's no. not oscar worthy but i mean it still holds up dude like the the you charm is still there yeah, some of it some of it seemed like at first i thought you know okay it's a bit of a scrappy film you can tell that ron howard hasn't really done anything of this scale before. Um, ILM, they're trying some new things, or you know, um, it kind of seems scrappy. But then it kind of some parts seem a bit too unpolished and kind of like rough around the edges, and and then it kind of falls apart here and there. I love Warwick Davis. Um, there's stuff about it I love Val Kilmer. Um, yeah, certain things about it I really liked, but unlike films like. You know, when you're a kid, you love stuff and you remember it being a certain way. And then sometimes, unfortunately, you go back and watch it again and it doesn't hold up. Like, um, as far as the fantasy stuff, I know that um, A Princess Bride, I was, I, I liked more as an adult. I watched yeah, it again. Yeah, that's, that's a really good movie. And I was like, wow, this this really holds up. Like, um, what else? Oh, Labyrinth, I rewatched and I absolutely loved it. Um, probably, again, more as an adult than I did as a kid. But yeah, it it was okay. I enjoyed it. Again, I love the character of Willow. Um, but yeah, what about was... Kaya? Are you a big fan of Kaya? Mims and oh. Rannon. Oh, oh, the <laughs> like um Willow's family. Yeah, Willow's yeah, family. I just love the names, man. Kaya, Mims, Rannon. Yes. I, I I love I love all the names. I loved all the Newlands or Nelwins. Nelwins, in village. yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of the film, unfortunately. And but Greg's the, never, and Greg Greg's never seen it. Definitely not a fan of the movie because he hasn't even <laughs> seen it. That's right. No, I, I I never saw it. So I was very thankful for the first episode with a with a tremendous yeah, recap. Kind of recap, yeah, kind of. Did. So I, I I feel I didn't miss out on anything. It kind of gave me an introduction to like the key characters that have kind of uh, continued uh, into the series. Um. You know, I, I think for like 
a lot of that fantasy stuff, if it if it didn't have a pro wrestler in it, like Andre the Giant, then I probably wasn't too interested in it. So like Princess Bride, I was so down for that. You only watched Princess Bride then. What other wrestlers were in other fantasy movies? Uh, God, well, I, I guess uh, <laughs> that, that was probably the only one. I did see the Never Ending Story. Yeah, I did see that. That's um, such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Which I have not rewatched that one. I, I don't know if I want to, but uh, but uh, I have seen the Princess Bride a couple of times. But yeah, that 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 '80s fantasy uh, genre was was super popular. You know, obviously, um, you know, with with George Lucas, um, you know, writing the story for Willow. You know, Ron Howard directing it, and uh, it gathered, you know, garnered, garnered a lot of interest. I mean, uh, Val Kilmer he hadn't done Top Gun yet, but I'm pretty sure he had done Top Secret, uh, which I think was a little bit before that, which was a a pretty funny comedy, which. Uh, my mother did take me and my brother to go see uh super inappropriate for children <laughs> but uh but that i think that was my introduction to 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 val kilmer uh all right so like that was the movie we got a little bit of a recap in in episode one and now it's uh, 17 years since uh queen Bavmorda was defeated at the end of the film and now an unlike your group of six heroes sets off on a dangerous quest to places far beyond their homes and they must face their inner demons and come together to save the world once again from the gales uh so quick overall thoughts on on willow the disney plus television series nuno um overall it was enjoyable okay and i think there are certain episodes and certain things i wasn't a fan of but you know what I, I yeah I mean very much it has all the kind of the the legacy sequel tropes that we've become you know very familiar with in the last few years. But um, like many of those legacy sequels, uh, the stuff that works is pretty good, and I, I liked all the new characters, and uh, I really liked Willow. I know he's not really the main character, but I was afraid he'd be sidelined. Oh, um, but he's actually quite good in it, and um, yeah, just great to see him back in character. I um, I I, I didn't really enjoy this too much. Um, I thought a lot of the story like really didn't make any sense. I, I think a good chunk of the characters were extremely unlikable. Um. Uh, which I was really surprised because this is kind of a, a show, uh, obviously geared towards families and uh, you know, and probably geared towards people that really loved uh, the original film. Um, so maybe I wasn't the target audience. However, um, I, I kind of expected, like you know, to to actually like the people who are on this adventure, and and I would say half of them. Uh, I didn't like at all, and uh, I just thought it was a, a strange way to write some of these characters. Um, I know you know you, you have the um, there there are certain tropes that they kind of leaned upon, especially when it came to like members of like a royal family and how they wrote those particular characters, um, which seemed like we have seen it over and over again uh, with with. Uh, kind of the attitudes uh that they gave some of these characters 
So I was kind of disappointed about that, that it, it wasn't really anything interesting. Um, uh, there were some practical effects that I, I really, really enjoyed. Um, I, I will take on Frank's role and shit on the comedy in this, uh, <laughs> in this series. I, th I thought the comedy didn't really work in almost every case. Um, we could probably spend an hour talking about the, the musical choices and we'll get to that, uh, because, uh, uh, I, I would imagine they probably could have used the services of James Horner, who did the music in the original film. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I was, I was kind of, uh, I, I was, I was, I was really surprised about how much I thought didn't work. Um, Dax, what about you? Um, well, I'm going to be honest with just you two guys here. So it's just between the three of us. I yeah. forgot that it was, the, I thought it was next week. Okay. So luckily enough, I had the day off. I literally watched eight hours of TV today. No. <laughs> <laughs> and literally finished at 5 p.m. to go eat some dinner and then come back for this. So wow. it was a long day. I had watched episode one like th two weeks ago or something like that. And then I was like, oh, I'll just watch them when I get closer to the time or whatever. I think I remember liking episode one, you know, decently. But I would say I, I completely understand what you're saying, Greg, because without the nostalgia factor that I brought into this, the show, I don't think I would have liked it at all. To be honest with you, I would have been like, what the, what the fuck is happening? So much of the story was all over the place. And like, I, even as somebody who knew somewhat of the world, like they're obviously trying to world build. And I was just like, I don't know what's going on right now. And um, especially once we get later on in the show, there was a certain episode where I just got lost, like completely lost. And I was like this, I just, okay, sure whatever but at that point i had already like it had delved enough away from the source material and how it was they they that i'd kind of gone this is how this show is and i just have to accept it i didn't necessarily like it i wish it could have i basically had to make peace with the fact that it's not like you know an 80s nostalgia for the parents it's doing it for the parents who watched willow and then they have 12 to 13 14 year old kids that are watching it now Right. So they're trying to do that generation of, you know, um, and I, I liked some things about it. I really liked the, the set design, like the, the world, like when they're walking around and stuff like that felt very kind of like some scenes, especially like going back to the Nelwyn area was very cool. Cause it, you know, felt like that George Lucas look, um, to me anyway, or the Ron Howard look or whatever it is. Um, and uh, yeah, it was really just the nostalgia stuff that I dug. I think some of my favorite parts were those kind of like throwbacks where they would put in like the the actual dialogue from the like snippets of the dialogue from the movie or like clips in misty smoke. You know, like I really like the sequence where um, Alora Danum was in the Nockwin or whatever the the fortress, uh, the evil fortress was at the end of Willow, the movie that where Bab Morta was. They have a uh, an episode in there and uh, you kind of see her seeing kind of past visions of like what had actually happened there. And it was, it was cool to kind of bring me back to going, Oh yeah, that's why I'm watching this because I like the original sto story, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, I was kind of torn. Cause I feel like parts of the comedy, I kind of was charmed by like, but I could see a right. Like, like as it's happening, I'm like, Oh God, no, like, no. But then there was certain, I found that between 
Willow. So what's his name? Warwick, Warwick Davis and uh, and the girl who plays Laura Dan. And I thought they had some nice kind of chemistry, quippy stuff that felt more natural. Like there was some kind of like, what are you doing? Like, no, don't do that kind of stuff, which worked. But I felt like the stuff that was try hard was a bit like too much. Like the Borman stuff. I wanted to like that guy because I felt like he has a good charisma, like that the big uh, barbarian yeah. kind of guy. Yeah. But like it, the writing, it, you're like, like, I think where you're going with this, Greg, in the comedy is that it was just too, like, it was too much. Like, it was just constantly, constantly going. It was, they're like, oh, Marvel does it in their movies. So let's do it a hundred times more. And it was just like, they're just constantly quipping with each other and back and forth thing. And like, everyone has the same kind of sense of humor. So every character, even the trolls in it. Yep. <clears throat> I was confused. I'm like, why are these trolls talking like this? And in the, in the movie, we see one of them and it goes, you know what I mean? I'm like, why is this one? But then it, that was the episode that got really confusing for me. Episode six, where they're in the mines. And I'm just like, what is happening? But apparently they're drinking the juice, which makes them smarter or something. I don't know. Anyway, that didn't really <laughs> work for me. Um, I know it's supposed to be like a short recap here, but uh, <laughs> you just heard every. I've watched it all in one day. So come sure. to slack. Um, yeah, I just I feel like it. I wanted to like bits of it, but there were certain things that were charming for some reason. And then at the same time, I was just like, no, like that. Nah. So I, I kind of did this all day on whether I liked it or not. But I mean, I guess I would agree with, you know, that like I didn't hate it. Didn't hate wasn't great. We'll quote that. We'll quote that sure. uh, famous film drunk line. I, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go with that. I, I, I watched it um, this week. You know, I watched a couple episodes Monday, a couple episodes Tuesday and uh, finished off the last couple uh, yesterday. So it, uh, I, I, so I, you know, I think it's actually better, especially when we're doing a podcast to kind of watch it super close because, uh, uh yeah, my memory is terrible and I will yeah. forget about everything. <laughs> um, all right. So like the story takes place 17 years after, uh, Sorsha is now the, the new queen and we find out she had married Mad Mardigan and they had two kids, um, Prince Eric and Princess Kit. Uh, Mad Mardigan is gone. He kind of disappeared. Um, kind of left the family and left the kids to kind of uh, grow up on their own. And uh, we were introduced to, to a kid who's kind of like, uh, like the, he, he appears to be kind of like the dumb, or Eric, sorry, is like the, the dumb prince. Uh, he's, who's a womanizer and uh, he's kind of got a sight set on this uh, girl who works in the kitchen who he refers to as Dove, whose actual name is Brunhilde, which I really wish they would have stuck with that because I think <laughs> Brunhilde is a great name. <laughs> um, and and Kit is clearly uh, in love with her her friend Jade, who is a novice knight. And basically, the the castle that they live in is is attacked by uh, uh, the Gales. Uh, and the names of them are the Scourge, the Doom, the Lich, and the Dag. Um, I thought these four demon characters looked amazing. Like I, I cool, really yeah. liked the I look agree. of them. Uh, I, I thought, I mean, for I think for kids, I think they were super scary. Especially uh, uh, the female presenting one with the wings was terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I did not like that. The I mean, I liked it, but I did not like looking at that character. Um, and uh, they they come and they steal uh, the prince. Uh, after they attack uh, Tyr's Liam, which was uh, is the name of the is that the name of the city yep. or the castle? It's the kingdom, I think. Tyr's Liam is it? It's like yeah. a small city. That's the the main. It's like 
Galador is one city or kingdom, then okay. is another one. And yeah. so they kidnap the prince, and then uh, um, they're um, they kind of decide that uh, everybody wants to go save the prince. Her 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 his sister Kit uh, wants to go. She's like a, a you know trained as a fighter and wants to go rescue. Um, and this the first thing uh, uh, I had an issue with is is why did the queen agree to send these couple of people instead of sending like an army to go rescue her her son her son yeah that that was the first thing that i thought was very <laughs> puzzling cuz like i i get that they're kind of doing you know the fellowship of the ring yeah, type 100%. thing i think they even refer to themselves as a fellowship uh, i think yeah. kit refers to herself refers to the group as the fellowship um so I thought that was super strange, but I guess that was the best way that they could figure out to get this group, uh, which includes Kit and uh, and and Jade, who is uh, sworn to protect her. Uh, there's a dude who's in the prison named Borman, uh, who's released by the Queen. They have some sort of a friendship. Was Borman was that character in the movie Willow? No, no. Okay, but he uh, was an acquaintance of Mad Mardigan at one point. So she trusted him to a certain degree. And I think and it's then, also because he was like, he knew the area they were going to, or he was like a tracker or something. Right. I think if I remember correctly in the first episode, that's kind of, because I, I was very th- confused as to why she was talking to this guy in the cell. I was like, who is this guy? He's obviously going to be important, but I don't understand what his point is. But there's a, there's a knight who trained Eric, who goes along with them, as well as the prince of a, of a neighboring kingdom, uh, who is there to be married to Kit to unite those kingdoms. And uh, I forget his name, but he's played by uh, uh, the guy that played uh, Flash Thompson in the new uh, Spider-Man movies. His yeah. name, Oh, yeah, his name's Graydon. Graydon, Graydon that's right. Yeah. Uh, Tony Remolori or something like that is the actor's name. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this group, and they set off to go rescue Eric. They're followed by... Uh, Dove, uh, who's the girl that's been knocking boots with Prince Eric, and uh, she wants to go see him because she's in love with him. And then uh, uh, they go uh, uh, to to find Willow, who is this great sorcerer, great sorcerer. And along the way, they we get introduced by to some bone reavers who kill the the one knight. And so there's just the five of them left, and they they go off to find Willow. Uh, and kind of the ep- the first episode ends with Willow realizing that uh, Dove or Brunhilde is actually a grown-up Alora Dannon, who was a baby in the original film. Mm-hmm. Who they yep. were, yep. Sw- who she's they kind the of chosen one. She's yeah. the chosen one. So she's kind of grown up, and uh, and that's kind of where the first episode is, and it kind of sets up everything for the next uh, few episodes. So as far as the first episode goes, yeah, like the. The idea of the, of this ragtag group of people going to save the prince, I thought was a little insane instead of actually sending an, an army to go do it. Uh, but uh, at that point, I was like, okay, I, I think I can kind of get behind this, uh, even though I thought the princess was kind of mean, uh, but... And 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 she, her, and and Borman were characters right off the start that I, I didn't particularly like because uh, I just don't think I understood exactly what Borman was or or why he was there for quite some time. I, I think it wasn't until episode six or seven you realized 
exactly who he was and, and how he was kind of associated with with uh, Mad Mardigan and, and Sorsha and, and Willow and all that. So uh, so after the episode one, I was like, okay, we got some uh, cool demon-like creatures that I thought looked awesome. And we kind of have like a, a journey ahead of us. I'm always into that sort of a thing. And, uh, and, and, and away we go. So after the first episode, I was like, okay, I think, uh, I think I'm good. Uh, Dax, where were you after episode one? I was pretty much the same as you. I was okay. like, okay, I like how it set it up. Um, I, I, I'll start by saying this. I remember after that fight with the, the demons, I remember thinking the VFX in this show were quite good. I really like how they handled the, the swirling effects of like the, the, just basically like the overall effects that the, they keep coming back to to kind of make it look magical and you know the, the lighting that they used in the fight sequences was always very good too i found the lighting too especially in the the traveling sequence at the end of the movie like the the sunsets being pink and they were using very mm -hmm. heavy uh, co uh high contrast colors or high uh, saturated colors for skyscape skyscapes all that kind of stuff was very very cool i just i felt like they did a very good job with the vfx vfx when it came to the fighting and the bad guys and the all that kind of stuff for a show i've seen much worse you know like don't ask me to tell you which ones because i can't remember off the top of my head but um shows on these these disney platforms and all this kind of stuff so yeah no i thought i thought that that was very cool and i did also just like you feel like that okay we're starting off i think i can get behind this and um, I had the same kind of trepidations too, like kind of going like, why is, you know, like, why is this Borman guy going and all this kind of stuff. But it's kind of, I just, you know, TV license, let's just say, you know, you kind of let it go. It's like, they're trying to tell a story and they're trying to do a Lord of the Rings, mini Lord of the Rings. So that's what's going to happen. And let's buckle up and see what happens. If you know what I'm saying? The, uh, the actress who played Jade is named, uh, Aaron Kellyman. And, I like uh, her. She was great. She's uh, striking. That where do I recognize her from? She was in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. She played uh, the leader yeah, of the. Yeah, she did. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Resistance, right, or whatever. The Resistance, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I thought she was really good. Yeah, she's great. Um, as far as the the actors go, like, uh, uh, she was really good. Um, I I liked the uh, Ellie Bamber who played Laura Dannon. And, you know, Warwick Davis is a good actor. You know, he's he's been in tons of stuff. I, I was kind of glad they gave him, you know, he kind of got something else because really, we haven't really seen yeah. much of him in a very long time. Um, so I, I think it was it was good to see good to see him. And um, uh, Nuno, what did you think after episode one? Where were you? Um, I absolutely loved the Gales, um, especially that huge guy, the, the Scourge, yeah, who has like, yeah. a, like a cage over his head. Yeah, he's and, that's uh, that's menacing. When you're yeah. that scary, that you need to have a permanent cage on your head. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I, and yeah, that that first battle was really good. I like that. I think Jade cuts one of his arms off, uh, right. which was pretty awesome. I was like, wow, this is you know that was cool. Um, I had a weird suspicion. Like, I mean, my suspicion ended up being wrong, but uh, Prince Eric, I thought was super creepy from the get go. <laughs> I I had a feeling that. Um, because you don't actually see him get abducted, you kind of see that scary bird lady land in front of him. And then it's like, oh, he's gone. I, I thought for sure because he's set up as like the ditzy, like, you know, prince. And uh, and that night at the end of the dinner that goes all awry, when he tries to play peacemaker between Kit and Queen Shorsha, Sorsha, <laughs> um, Sorsha just like digs into him and says, stay out of this. 
you're stupid and stuff like yeah. that. Right. Everyone, everyone treated him so crappily. I'm like, okay, he's the mastermind. He probably, okay. I was like, and you know, considering his his grandmother was Bav Morda or whatever is that yep. her name? Yep. yep. Yeah. I was like, okay, he's the one who's evil. This is all a setup. Uh, he knows that. Um, he knows that Dove is really um, a, a, a Laura Dannon. And every single time something would happen, I'm like, oh, okay, this totally proves it. Like when when um, when Willow figures out that Dove is Laura Dannon, I immediately thought, oh, you know, he totally seduced her. He had to get her out of the protective field. So I was really surprised that he was not a secret bad guy. I mean, we'll get to that. Right. It kind of yeah. turns, but I thought he was actually the mastermind behind everything. Hmm. So, was, uh, ep- episode two, uh, we get a, a little bit of a, a flashback of, uh, um, now this wasn't from the movie, right? With Willow's falling out with the queen where, where no, Willow no. had like the, like the creepy little beard and creepy mustache. And you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I will say that. However, if it was just really good makeup, or if they did de aging on her face, it was flawless. I think yeah, yeah, she yeah. If it was digital de aging, that yeah. is fucking. They're getting good because I didn't see any warbling or any kind. Like it looked. I'm like, okay, where did they get this? I just assumed it was really good. They put like prosthetic, like, like wrinkle free stuff on her face or whatever. It was. I was impressed. I, I literally that was the first thing I thought of is how good that looked. It looked like she was of that roughly around the time of the, the movie ending. Uh, um, the the original movie. So I, I I think at this point I realized that uh, I also did not like the the queen Sorsha, and I'm assuming she was really hurt with with Mad Mardigan leaving her because in the first episode she was she was a jerk to her son, she was a jerk to her daughter, and then this episode she was fucking awful to, yeah, to Willow. Was, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. was like, terrible. Like doesn't allow him to train Alora, and then just kind of belittles him and throws yeah. him out of the yeah. fucking castle. And and she tells him, "You're you're not a great sorcerer, and yeah, you you're... never will be." Like what the fuck? Yeah. I know. I that, was that, like... was, that was pretty heavy handed. I agree. I was yeah. like, that was fucking terrible. She sucks. So there, yeah. Again, another character to the list of like, man, I don't like these people at all. I kind of <laughs> like, I kind of like the the Gales better than, than this oh, mod. I, I had I have to say early on. I actually really liked Borman. I thought out of all of the kind of weird, like Buffy Whedon-esque kind of dialogue they tried giving everyone, um, so, or maybe it's the the charisma of that actor. I thought I, he was great. I thought I, mean, Bor- I agree. I, I I thought Borman was the only character who was genuinely funny. Uh, yeah, I just feel like it was too. Like I agree with you hundred percent. Like that's what I'm saying. I was so on the fence. I was back and forth. I'm like, oh, I like it. It's good. And then, oh, I think it's just it was maybe because if I had given some spacing between the shows, maybe I don't know. I also think I just feel like the writing. It was just they were always at a hundred percent on the joke. You know what I mean? It was always joke. He never said anything seriously. It was always, yeah. always he was always on. So I feel like if they had been a bit more sparing with it, I think it would have, you know. I think it would have he would have been a more enjoyable part for me. I mean, I still think he was great, but I think, like you said, you know, it was like he, I think he's just a very charismatic guy. Like I was looking at him, going, "Wow, I love his hair." I think he's a <laughs> beautiful man. I was, I was like, just you know. <laughs> uh, okay, so in 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 episode two, we kind of uh, they're on their journey. Willow starts to uh, train Alora a little bit. 
And then we, we discover that uh, Ballantyne, who's kind of the, the captain of the Queen's Guards, I think, he has become uh, infected during the, the, the battle in, in the first episode. And he is slowly like becoming kind of more of a demon. And then he kind of turns his his soldiers into demons as well. And, and they're kind of now evil and at the end of the episode they they kidnap Alora, and we discover that she finally was able to make a spell work and uh throughout ep- the episode two uh uh kit is awful to <laughs> elora as well just mm. treats her like trash and tries to like belittle belittles her constantly and tries to send her home and uh again another character that I, I i did not like who i didn't think was a very good person uh you know uh i kind of knew at some point they would kind of find a way to bond towards the end because they did both have the same goal which was to rescue eric um and so that's kind of how episode two ends and then the next five episodes are are essentially the journey but in each episode is like uh almost like a singular episode where they get into a zany predicament and it's one after another after another and uh i got super tired of that that formula because it it just seemed like uh every step that they were making uh we got introduced to different characters uh that were kind of blocking their their way to where they were going like in, in the in the third episode, they kind of split up, and uh, um, like uh, uh, Borman and, and Kit go to uh, uh, well, they try to head to a bar called the Slaughtered Lamb, which um, I think is the name of the pub in Scotland that the two guys go to in American Werewolf in London. I think it's called the Slaughtered Lamb, which is right before they get. Uh, before the one guy gets attacked by the werewolf. So I thought that was an interesting name choice. I might be wrong, but uh, I was like, the slaughtered lamb? That is like, some sounds super familiar. Anyway, so they get separated and, and they're they're looking for uh, an artifact and we they meet some weir rats, which again, kind of made me think of American Werewolf in London. It was another kind of weird uh, similarity. And then uh, the rest of the crew, they're their foe seems to be mud because they get stuck in the mud or their 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 uh, wagon breaks down like that is the nature of their issues um and then and i mean and we, we can talk about in these individual episodes and then the next episode they're in the the castle which is from the the movie yeah uh and they're kind of battling like ghosts or things that are kind of influencing them in the in the castle. Yeah, it's and like then a the, curse or something like that. The I next think. episode, they're they're in the forest with the bone reavers, and they're kind of delayed with there. And then the episode after that, they're with the trolls, and it's just like one after another. It's like uh, another uh, impediment in their way, um, and it just it kept putting the story for me. Uh, like on pause every time and it's like okay so now there's more new characters that i'm going to introduce to and 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 where's the story going to go from from here but we can talk a little bit about um uh I, like episode three for me nothing particularly interesting uh happened other than willow's buddy kind of dies in a battle with uh Ballantine and the guards and they finally kill off 
those characters um, before they uh, 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 continue on with their journey. We do finally see Willow use his powers in this one too. That's true. He did finally. Uh, I liked. I liked the concept of the fact that it's draining. Like he's like he makes a reference that like I'm not as young as I used to be, and like this like using my powers drains. So it gives it. I thought it was well written. It gave a reason as to why he can't just use magic to fix everything or you know fly them right. there or whatever. Right. Like it it, it. it was a good story device to make it plausible as to why he's not using his magic all the time. And I thought that again, this is another case where the, the effects were awesome. I loved how when he put his staff down, how it was kind of like the wind was like shooting the enter the magic out and it was tearing out of them and stuff like that. I thought it looked very cool. Yeah. Like uh, that, that is the, I think the one, um, I mean, there, there were some positive things, but I think the, the one consistently good thing was the effects throughout uh, the series, whether again, like whether it was the makeup, whether it was like the magic effects, um, uh, we'll get introduced to uh, uh, a character later on that I, that I really liked, that I loved the look on, the look of, and um, but yeah, so I think I think the the effects, the CG, all that stuff um, w- was really good, and actually maybe consistently the best that we've seen in a Disney Plus series, next to maybe Andor, uh, because like everything else up until that, again, like they're getting better with every every Marvel show, every Star Wars show, every series that they do that requires special effects, they're getting better and better and better. Uh, maybe they're paying these people more to, to do work, and, and so they're doing a better job, and I'm sure the technology gets better. But I think consistently the, the effects in the show were, were really good. Um, but yeah, like so we, and then I guess the one other key thing we're introduced to in that third episode is the Lux Arcana, which is this artifact that Borman has been looking for. Um, we don't quite understand what it's for at the time. We know it's important to some sort of armor. Um, and again, they're just setting that up for something that happens in the final episode. But it, again, to me, it, it felt like it was... It was more added to the story, uh, which I don't think they really needed. I mean, there's already a lot going on. We've already got magic and stuff. Like, so maybe uh, introducing something else to uh, uh, to to help them at this point in the in the story, like halfway through. I don't know. I didn't feel it was necessary. And I, I, was was the Luxor kind of something in the movie? No. No. Okay. Yeah, it, it was definitely one of those strange details that I noticed where um, they would they would set up kind of reference throughout the series, and then there were a few things which either had no payoffs or really bad payoffs, like that armor reveal was kind of like a wet noodle. Don't get me started on that <laughs> shit, man. And then and uh, there's yeah other other things too, like they um you never find out quite what happened to to the Nelwyn village, like why they're hidden underground. We can, we know that obviously um, Willow's wife, Kaya was killed and his son is no longer speaking to him and went off on his own. I, I guess there's set up, I guess they're, they're hoping for three, for three seasons. I'm sure we'll get more backstory there, but yeah, yeah. that, yeah, that armor thing was a total wet noodle. I, I literally, that armor thing is like on my list it is it literally 
was the icing on the cake as to why I couldn't force feed this series because it's so like it was just a perfect example of how different this is from the source material, right? They're not trying to be yeah. uh, loyal to it. It's it's more like a jumping off point. It was the start of a story, and now they're doing a 2023 version of that, right? Like it's it's so Avengers that sequence. I was just like, are you joking? Oh, it was it, it was right out of Iron Man one oh, when, when, he's, God, when he's when he's when he's uh when he's suiting up in the, in the Mach two armor. The, yeah. the, ca- the camera move and like yeah. all the moving parts. There was no need to do it like that. There was no would, need to yeah. do it like that. They could have just had the armor light up and have the magic effects on it. And it was, it was just protective, right? Like they didn't need to do that. And I, I, I don't know, like sure, whatever, like that was their decision. Fine. Like yeah. this isn't the, a holy ground to me that they can't do, but I'm just like, I would not have even come close to making that choice. Well, uh, well while we're still in episode three, the one I have one note here and I totally forgot about it, but, um, I think people have have discussed it online. Um, when Alora gets away from Valentine and is like possessed um, horde for a while, oh yeah, she runs into oh, yeah. she runs what into the uh, the oh, actress right. from from Ted Lasso as like yes. some they're they're dressed like 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 cowgirl like lumberjacks like full denim and like cowboy hats. It made no sense, dude. Like, <laughs> it was. When it, absolutely hysterical right. just how strange it was it was and like that i totally forgot about that because i watched it all in one day however yeah. that sequence when she ran into the forest they pull back it looks just like lord of the rings it's a it's a smoky forest so you're assuming that you don't go in there because it messes with your mind or some shit there's some kind of veil of like ooh, don't get lost in here and then she stumbles into like what you see is like this like perfectly serene light of day to a woman i thought it was going to be fake like they were not yeah. real people or they i were totally like, thought it was a dream exactly. or, a they, or they were maybe like sirens you know what i mean like yeah. luring her in to kill her or something and then it turns out to be two literally two women in the middle of a forest eating mushrooms that looks like the forest would kill you <laughs> and then yeah like I, I was blown away by that part when they turned out to be just humans or normal like you know members of Tira's lean or whatever the hell it was i was i was shocked yeah it was it was super weird and like um i like it it felt like the when when alora was trying to explain to uh the two lumberjacks which is insane that like <laughs> this is how i'm describing them because that's what they were um of of the dangers that was following them and just it felt like like they were almost responding to her in like riddles almost and like this this weird strange dialogue and like I'm not sure how they got Hannah Waddingham in this. I mean like she I think she's pretty sure she's an Emmy winner now and like, <laughs> like this is just a, a, a weird little tiny thing for her to come in and, and like swing an axe around and then and then you know both of the lumberjacks end up getting killed. Like the other one doesn't even have a bit of any dialogue at all no, she doesn't yeah. say a word and uh like even on on wikipedia like uh all the you know popular actors or actors who have something on imdb are like highlighted with a link like a hyperlink but the, the other actress nothing <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if she's ever been in anything before but Maybe she's just a friend of someone who was writing the episode. I don't know, but it was a very strange sequence. Um, uh, Hubert and Anne uh, were their names. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so Here, that here's was another a... here's another case of 
sorry, I'm getting a pizza throat because I'm eating mini eggs. I hope you don't mind. Um, Thanks. No, uh, this is a case of where, like, I was as I referenced earlier with the comedy, is that everybody. It's kind of like what I had a biggest problem with in the DC films when they tried to do the same thing with Marvel. They made everybody like Robert Downey Jr. I feel like that's what they did in this. Like everybody was like Borman. So like these girl, these two women in the middle of the forest that like the the main one was making jokes on everything that Alora said. Like it was like, oh yeah, we know you're pretty hot. You're pretty good looking. Of course, guys are chasing you. Like all that, like just yeah. constant. And I think that's just example another example as to why every character kind of felt the same like the, the, it was too much comedy all the time yeah i i i, I totally agree and uh, to confirm yes the the pub in american werewolf in london is called the slaughtered land there you go wow so two things that happened in episode three uh directly linked to american werewolf in london the same universe confirmed we've confirmed that the they belong together so Good. I'm glad we were able to decide that and uh, and and uh, ease everyone's mind. So episode four is when they they head into Vamorda's castle. Um, the one thing we didn't mention that Graydon was infected, mm. uh, the same way that Ballantine was, yeah. um, and uh, so now they're they're kind of the idea around this episode is to find a cure. Uh, now, uh, I liked the the premise of this haunted castle and things kind of whispering to each of the characters and kind of uh leading them into certain directions and kind of messing with their minds like i i like that idea of the episode um but the fact that uh, uh willow needed a list of ingredients to form a spell to save graydon and everything was in fact available to a degree inside this castle uh, again, a little bit of a stretch with the with the writing, uh, uh, so I thought that was kind of odd. Well, um, let me intercede there because I did watch all of this in one day, so right. I'm very I'm very tight and close to the material. But so I do remember they found a, he, Willow says to do this spell. Pro, a, he doesn't have one, but be, because they're in the dark magic castle, maybe they have a spell to reverse it, and so it's from a book in their castle. So it's an evil spell book. So it makes sense that the apothecary okay. have stuff for their spells. Fair enough. Okay. All right. I'll, I'll, I'll give. I'll give them that. I'll, I'll give you give that. That. <laughs> that. That's true. All right. I'll give you that. Um, and uh, so I, I, again, like for the most part, I thought this episode was was okay. Um, I did like the creepy aspect. Uh, we got a little bit of uh, of uh, of the demons at the end of the episode, so we saw them again, and. Um, uh, Graydon ends up uh, getting possessed, uh, breaking free, uh, uh, and kind of taking Alora up into the the high tower to complete this uh, ceremony. But again, Willow, Kit, Jade, and Borman get their shit together, uh, and uh, they successfully exercise Graydon, and they they save uh, Alora, and then they kind of continue their journey at the end of uh, the episode. Uh, but at the final end. Uh, we finally see Eric again, Prince Eric, and he kind of uh, awakens and he's found himself in kind of this abandoned, like, looks like a deserted city. And that's kind of uh, where episode four ends. Uh, what did you, what did you think of like the whole haunted castle kind of idea? Um, yeah, I, uh, 
so it, it's been it's been a few it's a, it's been a few weeks since I've seen this. Okay, um, a lot. Of, it it wasn't a memorable episode to me. No, um, but I did like the reveal of the city that Eric is in. Right. Except for the fact that Eric was actually kidnapped, because I thought for sure, <laughs> I thought for sure you you weren't going to see him until episode seven or something like you know, and the big reveal that he's actually evil. Um. But yeah, um, aside from that, I, I think there was a cool, was there like a, a moment where Laura reads uh, Graydon's mind and you find out that he was possessed before yes. and he, yeah, like, yeah. he like killed, like he killed his brother. Yeah. Yes. A kid. Now yeah, I, that, that's a question I have more importantly is the actor that plays his brother looks very similar to him or to him and the actor that plays young yeah. uh, Graydon. I, I, I are they think, actually brothers? Do you think in real life, like they are? In they, fact, they are twin brothers. Yeah, okay, I, I, okay. I, I looked into it. Um, his his younger brother or youngest brother plays the younger. Or oh, not twin? Okay. Yeah, his his younger self, and then his other brother plays. Oh, so his whole family plays him. That's awesome. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah. That is very cool. But I mean, uh, it just sucks that it took me out of it because they look so similar, right? Yeah. Like most movies don't. So, it, but it, it just, it, it's, I think that that's a cool thing that it brought re- realism to that. But because it was so real, it took me out of that minute to go, oh, I wonder in real life if they're brothers or, you know, and I wasn't really, so it's kind of like a double edged sword there. But that's, that's cool that they did yeah. that though. Yeah. Uh, Tony, Tony Revolori, uh, very Italian name, uh, uh, was, was the main actor and, uh, um, Surprisingly, a not Italian name. The brother Mario. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, all right. Can I do so, my elephant in the room? Like at this point, yeah. My biggest thing with at the end of this actually it was the episode before, so episode three. Yeah, where it felt very out of place because maybe I missed episode one and two's version of this because they were consistent from episode three on. So I'm assuming they did it in one and two as well, but I just didn't catch it. I was a fan of the score, like this like score score, like yep. when they're, they're running through Elwyn land and like it felt very, you know, hornerish yep. or, you know, fantasy George Lucas kind of thing. And I was like, oh, this is bringing me back to Willow. It has that vibe. It was part of the benefits of what I liked about the show. Then when I first realized it was episode three, when uh, an acoustic f- version of Enter Sandman comes on right before the credits, and I was it, like, it wasn't a, it wasn't an acoustic. It, it was what? a rock. It sorry, was a rock yeah, version. I, sorry, I'm, sorry. I mean a cover of whatever, right? Yeah. The other ones, as they go on, they basically they started a trend where like they did every, at the. You could tell the credits were coming because yes. they would start a acoustic or like mellow cover of some song, right? You know, and and play out to the, the credits. And the, that was uh, where I I was like fuck like. Okay, this is no longer Willow. I'm now. I, I had to kind of set my brain and go. This is they've taken Willow and they're doing yes. this with it. Yeah. So this this was one of the uh, again one of the I think uh, abhorrent things that they <laughs> did in this series was the 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 addition of popular music. Um, uh, Enter Sandman. Uh, I like. I watched the credits to find out who it was, and it, uh, it was a Japanese singer. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, it um, sounded. Don't get me wrong. They, I found they all sounded good. It's just I didn't like them placed in. Right there was, was a there was a there was an acoustic version of Black Hole Sun. Yep. Uh, in yeah. one of the later episodes. That's um, where Eric is shown in his city for the first time. I think episode five begins with uh, a cover of Blitzkrieg Bop. 
Don't okay. get me started on when they inserted <laughs> it into the actual show, like when they're being chased. I was at like, the I'm beginning. Done. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. I'm and done. then uh, later on, we uh, we get a, a rather haunting version of Bruce Springsteen's "I'm on Fire," which is, uh, yeah, I think, in the in the the last or the second last episode. So, um, yeah, like the the use of uh, this music, I, I just I felt like it, it didn't fit at all no. uh, with. The, they were trying to be not, artsy with it. Yeah, not just the the genre, but I mean, even even the look of the series. Like, you know, when when they use like Nirvana in in the Batman, you know, it it kind of fit. You know, when uh, and they've used a lot of popular music in the Marvel movies, uh, but again, like it's That's not it's fantasy, current day. Though. So if they yeah. use Black Sabbath or mm-hmm. or ACDC in the Iron Man movies. Um, we can argue whether the use of music in Captain Marvel was good or bad, but at least it 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 kind of fit with the at least in the time period uh, almost yeah. right. So, but this AI it just completely took me out, and I think it was the beginning of episode uh, five with Blitzkrieg Bob. Oh, that was I was like, uh, what are you just, doing right now? Yeah, super super awful, mm-hmm. like really I'm, bad. I am so glad I didn't binge this because I can imagine. Because at every every time those music cues came up, my son and I would just groan and be like, "Oh God, like what song is it going to be now?" And then the episode would end, and then I'd wait seven days or eight days, and then yeah. watch the next one. All of those really horrible music, um, like contemporary songs, I, I pushed it out. I pushed it out of my mind. Right, You're, I was, yeah. I, and I wasn't thinking about it every time I went to a new new episode. But I imagine that would be pretty difficult to watch. Dax, I'm very sorry. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I, I'm not a super snooty, and like, it didn't like make me rage or anything like that. But I was just like, oh, like I groaned, and, and it, it was, was weird. Yeah, yeah. Once I realized that that was their trend of what they were doing, I was like, okay, again, this is just another reason why it's not my jam. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, I was just like, I was okay with them doing the artsy ending, like even though, like Greg said, I agree 100. It doesn't fit. Like that, it's because it's a fantasy film. Yeah. we're all used to fantasies films having just scores right like or like the those kind of gaelic singers doing like the you know arias or whatever like with like the gladiator sound you know <laughs> oh, yeah. you know what i mean like all that stuff i'm fine with all that shit but as soon as you start putting in contemporary music into fantasies yeah. it puts it in a different I realm mean, yeah it's 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 not even set on earth i mean like you know yeah T- T- tarantino has has slipped in a few uh, contemporary songs in his but Western. that's because he does but, but that's him though yeah, right that, but it, it makes works. sense yeah, yeah. He, he, he does it sparingly and i mean his movies take place on earth they, you know they're, they're not fantasies i don't know yeah. <laughs> that I sounded mean, really uh, dumb <laughs> you know if if they'd even taken like uh an orchestral version of the songs it might have fit a little bit better but once you add in the lyrics lyrics yeah uh it's it Actually, almost that's true it almost was too on the nose, you know, like with the, you know, exit light and yeah. tonight. Well, they know, were like... definitely doing like the, they were choosing songs. You could tell there was a meeting where they sat down for three lunch hours and went, right. Okay. This one is about him opening his eyes in the new thing. And it's, you know, Oh, black hole sun. Oh yeah. You know, like you could tell like every one of them lyrically was basically stating what's happening on the screen to some degree. And it was yeah, just it, it, over exactly. the head. Yeah. Um, so episode five, let's get into that. Uh, Blitzkrieg Bop. They're being chased by uh, by the uh, um, the, the demons, uh, the, the demons again, um, and then they run into like this mysterious forest. Um, 
uh, where uh, they say that uh, people don't go in there because it's, I guess it's so nice. You, you, you never want to leave. And when they're in the forest, like it looks beautiful. I understand why people that go in there don't want to leave because it looked amazing. It was like this colorful forest. And then it turns out that this is the home of the bone reavers who we met in the first episode. And again, this is the latest set of characters or that kind of impede their journey and they're captured again by, yeah. by something else. And, uh, and we get this story of, of the bone reavers. Um, and, Jade apparently is the sister of the leader of the Bone Reavers, and uh, that kind of helps them out of their 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 jam there, and uh, and then they have a party, and then they're kidnapped <laughs> by the trolls. Like this was a strange ass episode, which really did not move the story on in any way. Like it, 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 it you're right, it didn't, except for the fact that it cleared up kind of plot points between characters right because they had they conveniently had that truth serum so everybody basically had to tell everybody how they really felt about each other all right so yes. it cleared up some shit where it's like okay because they they'd really played it aloof with the with the 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 gay couple going like the girls right i mean yes. they, they did they did share a kiss at the very beginning but it was kind of it was more kind of like you know like a peck on the lips and like you know i mean you knew what they were doing with it but they hadn't really really talked about it since then and then they really brought it to a head where they had to talk about it and, and realize what was going on. And then, of course, Willow, you know, talking to uh, Graydon about, you know, that he's not a real wizard and just all that shit was kind of summed up with all that the dialogue that was going on at that party. Um, but I agree. It was very episodes five and six were for me were just kind of like. It's like they they introduced uh, Kevin Pollock as like a sprite or a fairy and they really didn't. Like th there was no real point no, to that. It that's was, the, one of the things that I like because it was that's throwback. one of the throwbacks yeah. to Willow. Willow okay. had the brownies who were basically little guys oh, right, that brownies, started off as right. enemies yeah. uh, of Willow. They kept they were nuisances and stuff, but they were a key part of Willow, the original movie. And so I was happy when he when he goes, "Oh, bro, I was wondering when the brownies were going to show up." So for me, that was a nice little nostalgic hit. He didn't end up doing anything. You can tell it was probably shot in one day. Um, but it was still nice to have them in there. I was kind of hoping for a little bit more adventure because in the, in the Willow, the original movie, it was they did a lot of that. It was all about them being real actors, shrunk down really small, like right. composited over Willow. You know what I mean? So I wanted to see how they would do that now, but they just didn't bother. They just shot a, a set with, you know. But yeah. the the brownies didn't really have anything to do with this story. Not this one. No, they basically I, just it was the throwback. It was I, just nostalgia. I, I I have a feeling that that this new showrunner probably wasn't a fan of the brownies, but felt obligated to, to put it in to bring one of them back because yeah, Kevin Pollock did play one of them. They yeah, were just they, in... they, yeah, there were two. There were two who who joined the adventure in the film, and they both talk with these weird like French, really bad French accents. Right, and they're they're really goofy and they're for the kids. And yeah, I was kind of glad that that they weren't in the series that much. Only because in the movie they kind of wear eh, they kind of get a, a bit annoying after a while. Mm, beer. <laughs> yes. When he falls into the beer stein, exactly. I think I think Greg would have liked the brownies. Yeah, I think well, you maybe you got to watch the first movie, but the brownies are where it's at. But I do know. find brownies delicious. Yeah, well, yeah. these brownies are they're fun. Okay. <laughs> um, hey, mumbo jumbo, 
go get me some eggs or something. Oh, oh damn. <laughs> Val you, Kilmer had some wicked lines in the first movie, you too, have, dude. You have really good recall. Well, I've seen it a bunch of times, yeah. Okay, yeah. But so, yeah, so episode five and six, uh, again, um, you know, they don't really tell us uh, too much and don't really push the story along a lot. I mean, so they're they're captured by the trolls. <laughs> and uh, the, the trolls are... Uh, I was very surprised at how uh, eloquent and polite uh, the trolls were. I thought that was uh, it was super strange, uh, but uh, you know they. And uh, 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 we get introduced to uh, another character uh, pretty quickly, uh, played by Christian Slater, uh, which I was very surprised uh, to yeah, see out of nowhere. In this, uh, he played Allagash. Christmas Slater, not in the original Willow. No, no, no. Nope. Uh, the character of Allagash, not in the original Willow. No, nope. no. Nope. Okay. Uh, so again, another character. Uh, he pretends to be Mad Mardigan, and obviously, these are the two people, Kit and Willow, uh, who he cannot fool, but <laughs> pretending to be uh, Mad Mardigan, and we get this uh, again. That we get a little bit of the backstory with Borman and who he is and how he was with Allagash and Mad Mardigan, and they were kind of a, a together in their their team or whatever. And uh, so this episode is them trying to escape from the trolls. It's just an, another step. I don't know if it's just to develop their characters a little bit more. Um, we find out that the the Lux, you know doesn't work with uh, uh with it only works with one specific person so the the lux arcana which is supposed to be this armor for battle um we get a little bit more information on that and uh, yeah just in again it, it's another episode that i didn't find uh too interesting for the most part there was a little bit that i liked about it but uh I, it just kind of felt like they were given us an episode just to stretch this into eight episodes in order to, to make it a series is more than just six. It felt kind of lost and muddled. Uh, at the end of it, uh, uh, we see Eric again, uh, after this long journey, he finds himself back in this, this deserted city. And then he meets a mysterious young woman at the end of the episode. So, um, uh, Dax, I know you had a lot to say about the trolls and this episode, and how you didn't really like it. Yeah, um, Nuno, what were your thoughts? Like, do you do you remember like much I about do. this episode? Okay, yeah, I, I I was gonna say this was probably it felt the most Buffy to me. Okay, in, in a sense of like, okay, the look of the trolls versus oh versus, yes versus their personalities. Yes, hundred like, percent. Like yeah, it worked on Buffy. You you you'd have the odd demon that looks like a really creepy sob but they would have like you know they'd have like a character actor underneath all that makeup who would just act like you know a regular dude and you know i i thought it was strange in this um again like 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 dax mentioned the only troll i think there's one or two trolls in the film they're i think they're a small person in like a really bad like ape costume kind of just jumping around like all wild and stuff and kind of yeah. you know making squeaks and eeks and stuff like so this was a, de a departure from the film and um 
yeah, I, I liked seeing Christian Slater. I wasn't a fan of the trolls. Um, another another consecutive episode where everyone's in a cage for for the majority of the episode. Yeah. Or captured. Um, and I guess this is the one where you hear you hear Val Kilmer's voice or 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 or, or Jack Kilmer. You hear you hear right. Val, Val Kilmer's son playing Mad Mardigan. And I think they're trying to drop some clues as to Mad Mardigan's fate. Like he kind yeah. of he 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 probably passed through. Like, well, she finds his sword, right? Kit finds her dad's sword, and his voice calls out from behind from beyond this like veil into maybe another world or like an afterworld. Which thought, doesn't make sense, and they don't really touch on it. They just say, "Don't go in there." It's, it's no, so weird. It's but so it, weird. But it's it's strange. I mean, if, if Mad Mardigan is if he's passed through, if he's in some other place he can't come back from he was trying to lure her in mm-hmm. and then and so we're thinking oh it's it, it's a trick it's some kind of evil malevolent force who's pretending to be mad martigan but i think they established later on that it it was probably him right yeah in the last episode or second last episode or yeah whatever. so it's like yeah yeah no they didn't handle that stuff very well i don't think uh it was very confusing like that said the whole episode i do i did visually like it continued to impress me the visuals of the the moria minds of moria aka um wherever the trolls oh live yeah in, in this series it was very moria like that's right and 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 in the end um when they're escaping aren't they on some kind of it's almost like they're escaping on ice but it's like it's like yeah, orangey that... orangey yellow yeah and, i was and, i thought yeah. it was lava but then they were standing on it, and I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And then I, I think what it's it's that orange liquid that is basically fueling the trolls to be smart. You know, like it's I think it's all yeah. that it's all that like the worms, uh, liquid shit that is. Oh yeah, because because like Eric's drinking it too, right? Um, yeah, on, on, it's, the, it's... on the flip side, because Kit Kit breaks through. Oh, and... I just said is it's a different dimension. Is that what it's supposed yeah. to be? Like it's on the underside, the reverse not... world or whatever, maybe? I'm not sure, yeah. Yeah, because she sees Eric for a brief moment while he's at the fountain, mm-hmm. right? That, that was kind of a cool visual. I thought that was done really well. Yeah. That would have been a much quicker way to get to where they were going. I think, yeah. no, I think, but I think it's supposed to be more like she was near death, so she kind of saw him through their connection and all that kind of shit. Oh, maybe. I see. And they were in the liquid or I don't know, fuck, what or whatever. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, they drink a uh, lot of funny stuff in this show. Yeah, they do. Yes, yeah. they did. Uh, all right, so finally, uh, they 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 get away from the trolls, and then uh, the uh, episode seven kind of uh, begins where it ends. Where Eric is talking to the young woman, uh, she claims to be uh, someone from uh, Kashmir. Uh, I believe she says that she's the a princess or something. Um. And then, uh, yeah, so they, they, they have like this weird dialogue where it's almost like, I mean, like sometimes I feel like they're speaking like medieval English. And then sometimes I think they're speaking like they're from California. Like she kind of like accuses him of trying to hit on her. And it's like this, this weird discussion that they have and the language uh, that they use is, is more modern than a lot of the other stuff. Like I think a lot of the comedy in this uh, show had, had, you know, was, was based around uh, more current times than, than the, the time that they're supposed to be in. I think that's where they were drawing a lot of the comedy, maybe to make it more relatable, but 
Yeah, so they had this weird discussion that, uh, that she thought he was trying to hit on her and, and sleep with her. Like It was very bizarre. And then uh, the rest of the group, they, they reached this cabin. Uh, again, old man named Zeb sitting in this cabin all alone in the middle of nowhere. It's just another character that were introduced for really no reason. Uh, he gives them food and a place to sleep. And then... <laughs> They, they kind of they knock him out and steal his shit, which is a terrible way to thank someone. But we do get introduced to a, a mudmander by the name of Kenneth, who uh, I thought the look of this like this water sluggy type creature with the massive eyes was super cool. Uh, some more I, I don't know if it was CGI or practical effects, but I liked the look of this creature that was pulling along their the little boat sled or whatever it was that they were on. That one felt like it was physical. Like it felt like a puppet. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know if, which is so weird I, how they would choose to do that. I mean, I, I approve of it. Anytime somebody does it well, it brings that nostalgia fantasy film vibe back. So that it, like, again, made it feel more like Willow or, or like, you know, uh Neverending story or whatever like that. Like yeah. It kind of had a more of a vibe, the turtle from uh, Neverending story. It kind of had that kind of thing. And I liked it. I thought it was cool. Um, I just don't understand like how it was the only one. I guess maybe the were rats were they physical? Pup I don't know. I th I think they were CGI. Were they CGI? Okay, because I at that time here's another side story. It was fucking bright as all hell today when I'm trying to watch this show. <laughs> right. So my 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 window. I don't have drapes. I have like uh, like frosted windows, so I've never had the problem of watching TV during the day because I don't watch during the day. But this is the darkest show ever. <laughs> and I'm trying to watch it with beaming light behind. So I literally was at one point, I had my hands doing this on the corner of the TV to see it. And it got so bad, I couldn't even see the show. So I had to get up and start pasting paper like a a, <laughs> a homeless person on my fucking window so I could actually see the show. Um, yeah, I don't know why I brought that up. But anyways, uh, that's yeah. all right. Um, yeah, so they, they make their escape and and because uh, the uh, the dag and the doom, these demons, they show up and they chase them again and they get away on this boat thing on the water. Um, Graydon discovers that he has magic potential and he's able to use his flute. Yeah, out of nowhere. Like, out of nowhere? Yeah. Well, I mean, at, at least throughout the, the episodes, yeah. like, he was listening and kind of helping Alora. He was taking notes about the magic. But yes, he uses his 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 flute uh to kind of, you know, cast his the the magic power that's now within him, I guess. Um and uh you know Kit and Alora seem to resolve their differences in this episode. So we finally get past all of that nonsense that we've been dealing with for six episodes previously. And then um the girl that Eric meets uh, reveals herself to be the one that brought him to the city and uh, she performs a ritual on him inside the, the temple. And we kind of get uh, uh, to the edge of their journey, uh, which is like waterfall to, to nothing. And uh, uh, Kid and Laura make that uh, leap of faith and then they they show up in this deserted city where Eric is, and now Eric's got a nice new haircut. Yeah, as dyed brown. Do. Yep. And uh, that's kind of where that episode ends. I I don't believe there was a weird song at the end of this episode, but I could be wrong. I think there uh, was. I was hearing it on every one of them at, after. 
probably. Yeah. Um, but we finally get through that. The journey is finally over, and we're into the the the, the final episode of the series. And uh, so at this point, we're about to start the last episode. Dax, how are you feeling at this point watching the show? Are you just like one more to go? <laughs> I literally was because I'm like, yeah. I need to go. I need to go eat dinner before the show. Um, but at the same time, I, I want to kind of backtrack a little bit because I, I didn't get I, somebody came up when we were talking about the turtle thing and I spaced out on talking about my blinds. Um, <laughs> what was your take, both of you, on the training montage slash magic Harry Potter vibes that I was getting from this with the uh, the way the magic shoots out of the wands and, and all that kind of stuff. Oh, bounces around. Uh, 100% uh, Harry Potter vibes, you know, just oh, yeah. uh, shooting, deflecting and, you know, yeah. um, nothing Like, I mean, I get new. it's kind of hard to come up with something new and maybe they just didn't, they just did their own spin on it. You know, it's already kind yeah. of established that. So I, I get that part. I was more kind of not happy with the kind of adding of like, kung fu pattern a uh, forms to it you know what i mean like it became right. kind of almost street fighter like and let's like let's not forget <laughs> there is an awful awful moment in the episode that we're about to talk about in, in episode eight where uh, laura dannon becomes the badass girl right? right and she almost does like her neo's matrix where he does the kung fu like yes here. and yeah. it's but it's almost but it's weird like she just does this weird body thing where like she looked like she had zero physical prowess whatsoever and didn't yeah. even know what to do with her hands like the director just said okay you're you're just about to fight do something and she almost like half does i don't even remember what she really did but it felt really awkward watching it i wasn't Um, sure she's trying to do like um it almost felt like she was trying to do scarlet witch yeah yeah. a little bit you know what i mean like how you know i i wasn't sure whether it was even like slowed down like a cheesy slow motion scene because that is an awkward moment i I think her wand gets destroyed and she starts like yeah that was a very strange scene my son actually laughed out loud did he yeah yes he did so anyway, sorry, I just wanted to know what you guys' take was on the magic and the training. It's so yeah. it's so Harry Potter. Yeah, um, yeah. The one thing I liked about that episode, just briefly on episode seven, I think, uh, Dax, you touched up on it. Um, you t- you mentioned uh, the really nice, like, sunsets and, like, yeah, the, the, lighting. The, the saturated, like, it feels like, okay, um, everything looked really, really convincing as far as, like, um, environments. And I know a lot of the stuff was actually shot on locations, but this episode seems like it was all done maybe on that LED volume that like that that Mandalorian uses. Um, it's almost like they had like a few days to like film in the volume because all those guys were obviously, you know, like created, you know, and animated with like the Unreal Engine and they were not real locations. Mm-hmm. But it looked kind of cool, but it is also great, yeah. such a departure from the look of the rest of the series. 100%. Yeah. I think it worked as a location, though, because they were on the... I loved how they were always stopping on little islands in the water and their giant trip. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool and making camp and all that stuff. So I thought it worked for being outside of the forest kind of vibe that you get from, from the rest of the series. I also love that I'm a big space nerd, and I love the the sequence where she's t- Kit and Laura are talking at night, I think. And it's like literally, it's just you see her. It's almost like they're standing on the water, and it's just nothing but a crazy starscape. Yes, yes. That was a yeah. very cool shot. I thought um, it just looked very, very cool. Yeah. So, uh, episode. Let's get into it, Greg. Tell us the, the showdown. Let's the showdown. Go. So, um, 
Eric, you know, he's he's kind of under the spell of of Lily or or the crone or whatever, and and he tells Alora and Kit that this is the the truth. They're going to usher in a new age, and uh, their master is known as the Worm. Now, if you I watch things with subtitles, yep. so I I get the best. And Worm is spelled with a Y instead of an O, which kind of made me almost throw up. No, come because... on, man. That's like fantasy style spell. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons. That's Dungeons yeah. and Dragons shit it's, right there. It's very D and D and very Conan. I, I'm pretty yes. sure. That, I'm pretty sure yeah. there's, a, there's always an evil worm or like an, an ancient god who has that same spelling, right? Yeah. Um. So uh, the crone brings Alora and Kit into uh, their chamber and tries to convince them there uh, to uh, submit to the worm and essentially, um, kind of offers them what she thinks they've been searching for for the whole time like so she tells kit that you know she can be reunited with her father and and live that life and she tells uh brunhilde or or Alora that uh um she can kind of go back to before uh any of this started before all the people that she caused the the deaths of uh and she can just you know marry Eric and everything will be wonderful. And while that is happening, Jade and Graydon and Borman have jumped over the waterfall and Willow has kind of said goodbye that he's going home again. Super weird to introduce Willow as the quitter at this point in the series and that he needed to go home to his daughter was very odd uh, of a choice. Um, uh, So Jade and Graydon, they try to uh, get into find Kit and it looks like they're turned to stone. And then, because uh, that's the, for a moment, that's kind of the last thing we see of them. And then uh, Kit decides that she does not want to accept it because she hears, again, Mad Martigan's voice. And uh, he says that, you know, your job is to protect Alora. That's why, you know, you've done all this that you've done. I need you to protect her. So she refuses what the crone is offering and she turns the stone and it looks like uh alora has accepted what the crone has offered and there's this beautiful wedding and all of her friends are there and all all the people that she's met along the journey are all at the wedding and this is where that that horrible and maybe not horrible but uh that really slow version of bruce springsteen's i'm on fire is playing and again, like it, it just didn't fit. It just seemed super silly. And she's about to accept the proposal. And then again, she stops being this medieval character and becomes like a 2023 oh, teenage yeah. girl and says, I am so over this or whatever she says. It was super strange. And like the crone, like rolls her eyes and it's like blah blah blah. It's too late anyway. <laughs> and 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 she says it's not too late. And she says something like I'm gonna kick your ass or something like that. And that kind of starts uh, the 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 final showdown between uh, like the demons and the crone and like uh, you know Alora and friends. And so up until that point, we'll get to the battle in a second. But up until there, like. That whole scene where, you know, Alora kind of turns it down and 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 it's just super strange, super bad writing, and uh, and kind of really frustrating uh, to 
to be honest. Like, what what did you think about that, Dax? Well, I agree with you, but I feel like that had happened to me earlier. I actually wrote a quote down. I started, I mean, it, I feel like in the beginning, it was more subtle with the verbiage, with the dialogue itself, but there were very new, let's say, contemporary um, uh, thoughts and, 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 and um, things they were trying to put into the audience's brain, right? Like, you know, same-sex couples, uh, forced marriages is not a cool, both, you know, the, the, the guy and the girl, like, hey, I don't want to be forced to get married. Do you want, no, you should have your right to pick. Yeah, I should have my right to pick. So should you. Like, it was very kind of like, you know, on the head yeah. uh, of what's what's going on right now. And, um, but I didn't feel like the verbiage was like that. However, once we got later on in the series, I felt it became more obvious. And there was one time, especially, that it literally hit me in the head, in the face too, where like, I think, uh, Eric has woken up after seeing the girl, uh, the, right. the, the worm, and he goes, hey, new girl, where are you at? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, this is supposed to be like, medie- like not even medieval, but like, like, fan- like, you know, like, it's yes. clearly language that you, p- kids are using now. You know what I mean? Like, hey, new girl, where are you at? You know what I mean? Uh, and, and just like you said, with how she reacts uh, at the wedding and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I at that point, I'd already been kind of pulled out as like, it's kind of like our world is in a fantasy world. It's almost, you know what I mean? It's almost like that cartoon of Dungeons and Dragons back in the day where the kids got on the ride and went back in time kind of thing. You know what I mean? It was, it feels kind of like that to me, the show. Uh, Nuno, well, where, where were you up until the wedding? Um, I, I wasn't a fan of the finale. Like, like, like many finales these days, yes. they seem to be very overstuffed. And very disappointing. Yeah, like yeah. we 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 had these two episodes before this that um, that really didn't drive the story very well, especially for the fact that you know these episodes were for the most part like fifty minutes each one. So this was a, a lot of time in episode six and seven that they didn't really need that they could have you know expanded maybe this final episode maybe uh, a little bit longer anyway or at least maybe into uh another one of the previous episodes uh so we um Alora manages to uh you know kind of break everybody free from their their stone encasings or whatever i guess in in the, in the in her fight with the with the crone and and Borman gives Kit the Lux Arcana and says that it's for her story and she needs to be the one to use it. And so we, we get into the final battle. Alora uh, uses her powers and uh, is able to kill the crone after she uh, uh, kills Graydon. And uh, like she sends him flying because uh, he had used his magic to save Alora when she was losing the battle and that kind of puts her over the edge and like I think the, that's when the magic like comes out of her fucking fist or whatever and, and she does the whole Neo thing and <laughs> she melts the crone and uh, 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 after a time tra- no let's let's not forget it wasn't even quite that like they even fucked up their own um, what do you call it the apex of the move like they even fucked up their own Oh yes, yes. 
what, what's that term when it's like you you go through a movie and they get to the high point like they they the their crescendo their climax yeah. they fucked that up by giving her a neo moment and then still getting beaten up and then like oh god what do i do i'm so scared again yes like she went through her whole like you killed my friend angry that's the turning point i'm gonna blow you up Right. So hiding behind a rock and Willow having to talk to her through. Oh, his that's mind right. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To, to pump her up again so that she can now fight her for real this time. Yeah. Did Did Willow show up at the end of the the wedding sequence when Alora? Yes. He's yes. Okay. He shattered the dream and oh, yes. like yeah, yeah. yeah. And he was even, the though, even though she was already on her way, like she'd gone. I'm not yeah. doing this. He came in and said, you know, and he shattered the dream. He uh, he had the the Han Solo moment from yes. from A New Hope, right? Showing up. And in uh, the Millennium Falcon, yeah. So there were there were a couple there there was some egregious dialogue in this episode mm-hmm. when Alora was uh, facing off with the crone. Uh, the crone says, "You think you can defeat the worm? He's eternal, bitch." Oh, that's right. They put as soon as they put that in, I was like, "Oh my god, we're watching Halloween four four twenty or twenty four hundred or whatever the hell it is." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, all right. Well, I mean, it's already kind of gone this far." And then, yeah. uh, and a, and a part that I just did not understand whatsoever, uh, Borman kind of locks himself and separates him from everybody else, and he takes on the four demons all on his own, mm-hmm. and and he says, "Okay, boys, who brought butter?" And <laughs> I don't know what he meant by that. It was fucking weird. And he goes in, and that's the last you see of any of those. You don't even get to see the demon fight. It's just done. No, you don't even get to see that fight. Those Gales were one of the best-looking characters in the show. And the fact, like, why why did they even include them in the finale when Borman, like, essentially does this whole sacrificial thing where he he closes off the doors and faces them Gives her the armor. And then he does, there's not a single moment where he fights them. Like did he did he run out of money? But like... what what does butter have to do with anything? <laughs> exactly. I I think it's I mean, I didn't uh, hear that, but I would as soon as you said that, I think it's sexual overtones because he even made that comment about making out with the three of them. Remember so when, like he's uh, gonna use the butter to like fuck them? Yeah, or like or like who brought the lube, basically, I think is what it is. Is that like a, is that like a Marlon Brando that, thing that he just kinda like Oh, from Last Tango in Paris. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe maybe the actor improvised and no one noticed. Yeah, maybe. maybe. So, uh, he's, he's a huge Brando fan. This is when uh, uh, so they defeat uh, Alora kills the the crone, but she in her last moments infects Eric, uh, who who now takes on the 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 the, the he fights Kit and Alora as he's possessed. And I will say the. The looks of like of of Ballantine and Graydon and Eric when yep. they were possessed, like that the the makeup and like the the, the possession makeup, yeah, yeah. I thought that that looked amazing. There was some yeah. really good practical makeup effects. Mm-hmm. So I like I really liked the the looks of the possessed characters. Um, so they have uh, that's when when Kit uses the the Lux Arcana and we get the Iron Man moment of of the armor <laughs> uh, as opposed to, again just like a instead of just like a glowing chest plate. Which they could have easily just done, um, or like when the Luxor kind of went in, it could have been like, like automatically clean, so it was like super shiny and like and like brand new or like platinum or something. Here's my question: I felt like like I've been saying all along, 
the show visually, I thought like the vi- visual Bible and, and style of the show was good. It felt like it fit in the fantasy world for the most part. Although I do feel like, especially near the end, it did not feel like everyone was wearing jean jackets and shit like that. Like, I have, felt like I have notes about that. Yes. Yeah, it felt yeah. like very like they started wearing these like and like Lordana has like this button up jean, look like a jean jacket and shit. I'm like, where anyway? She, she she's wearing she's wearing denim on denim, and then Kit is wearing a leather jacket. And right, it gets I weird. Think, and Eric has a leather jacket too at some point. That's it's true. He strange. does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. But that's, so Alora uh, is wearing the Canadian tuxedo. Yes, yeah, much. denim on denim. But that's like when they're traveling, they just start wearing these weird clothes, and it's just yeah. kind of it. Yeah. But the um, the visual style of the fil- the show, I felt, was very consistent, and it fit fit the pocket of what they were doing. And then they inject this fucking Avengers tube technology into the the suit. <laughs> <laughs> like the locking the locking mechanism and you got to turn it and it lights up green and then fills it up with the energy i'm just like what the fuck like it made no sense why couldn't it just be like a, a, you know on the chosen one it works do you know what i mean like why i don't know i'm I, uh, yeah so anyways that part visually i was like that was uh, and then the suit turning on too like it, it was just the the cherry on top i lost my mind i was like okay all right well that's by far no surprise it's going to make it onto my my list at the end of the show. Be- because of that moment, we couldn't see a single second of Borman fighting the Gales. Because yeah, we need, yeah exactly. The, the, right. there, was, there was the budget. It's like, hey, we're, we're, we're going to have a spin-around camera, and you just got to CGI the shit out of this. Yeah. So so, so, so at, Kit at, manages at to use... Minute. Yeah, yeah. Kit yeah. manages to use her, like, their childhood memories, I guess, to purge Eric and, and, and save him from... So, like... Uh, so many different ways to cure people of the uh, of the possession. Like Willow used his staff at one point. They used they tried to use a concoction of a potion to try to save Graydon, and and now apparently just you know Alora using a bit of magic and and, and Kit, you know, reminding uh, Eric of his of his childhood, and and that also purged the demon. So they saved the day, and then Borman reappears after killing all the demons all on his own and he comes out and he says i want my mommy he did he yes. Did. <laughs> yes oh my god yeah i don't know what so again i don't understand the, and, the, and, the and decisions he was, and he was this... covered and, and he was covered in butter I think. and he was covered in butter he was all lubed up <laughs> oh my god so i he... remember being slightly lubed up i just assumed it's supposed to be like blood or <laughs> nope it, you know i don't know so again very strange so they've they've saved Eric, they've killed the crone, and they 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 decide to it's time to head home and they're gonna make sure you know Graydon is remembered as a hero. But they, they fully admit that the worm is still there and they're mm-hmm. leaving it behind and it's just gonna come get them later on. <laughs> which, which I kinda like, which I kinda respect that that at least they it said something about it and then just walk away you know right and like do the, the standard thing where like it shows it's still bubbling at the end like literally jade says shouldn't we go back and try and kill it like we're here should like, we finish should, the job yeah shouldn't and and he's like no it's too late whatever it's always going to come back i'm like oh fuck and but and then he says at least you know like I, I feel happy with our you know we've got you girls and like we're training a new generation and fucking whatever so but yeah it was kind of it was a weird ending to just kind of walk away knowing that it's banished for now, but it's coming back soon. So, yeah, then at the end, um, we see Graydon is still alive, and he wakes up in a pile of dead bodies. Uh, 
which now he's in the vision that Willow's always been having. Right. So he he's there, and the worm is there. Now the worm now looks like Alora, and she asks him to help usher in a new age. So I I don't know if they're, you know, if if Graydon at that point thinks that's Alora or knows that it's not. I, I, you know, that's kind of ambiguous, I guess. And then I guess that's kind of where season one of Willow ends off and where it will lead us into season two. I think so, what it's trying to show is that, like, it's now the worm giving him his fantasy where he gets to have right. her, right? And it, it, maybe it'll sway him to, to you know, he'll be the baddie and then they have to do the green, green uh, staff magic on him to pull him back out and, you know. Yeah, because I think I think clearly they established. Well, they didn't clearly establish it, but I think they established that Eric and and um, Alora are no longer. Like I thought that, like they were clearly trying to make it so that he comes out of the friend zone and Alora and Graydon are gonna hook up. Right. But then they kill him off, and which is like you know your standard movie shit, where then she gets her powers and gets angry and fights back. So um, I feel like they're the whole point of they're hoping that everyone was so in love with their love story that the it's going to keep everyone coming back for season two to see Graydon and uh, Alora get together. So that's, uh, that's Willow, you know, um, um, you know, for me, um, not great. <laughs> There's, there was a lot that I did not like and, uh, uh, very little that I did enjoy. Um, so for me, you know, I think I'll I'll give it like a like a two out of five. Uh, Nuno, final thoughts in your rating? Um, yeah, you know what? I think I enjoyed the first half a bit better, and visually was happy with it. Um, I'm gonna give it a, a three, three out of five. Uh, Dax, final thoughts in your rating? Nuno said it great. Um, I agree with the first part being the more successful for me. I feel like it was it was more traditional to the Willow vibe. Um, visually, I liked it for the most part, uh, minus armor um, and Avengers armor. Um, and uh, yeah, I feel like the nostalgia was very important in my overall semi enjoyment of this franchise of this show. I give it a three as well. All right, so let's get into our uh, our superlatives. Um, let's start off with our uh, favorite uh, secondary character, uh, Nuno. We'll start with you. Uh, for me, it has to be Borman, whose uh, whose full name is Thraxis Borman. Oh, uh, I thought he was charismatic and funny. Had a really cool sword, kind of like something out of Final Fantasy. It's just yeah, yeah. I liked his sword too. Yeah, Dax, favorite secondary character. I was going to go Borman originally as well, but then by the end, there was a couple more episodes, uh, shots that I saw of um, Aaron Kellyman, and that woman is just striking. Jade, like yeah. just her look, and I thought she was, as an actor, she was great. I just, I bought into her. I, I liked her role in the show, and I just, I had to go with her. I thought she was, she was great um, in the show. Yeah. Um, good choice. Uh, I liked her a lot as well. Um, I think my favorite secondary character was, uh, was Saris. He was the uh, chief administrator of the Dread Mines of Skellen. He was the very <laughs> polite troll. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, he, he he seemed like a pretty reasonable, thoughtful guy. And yeah. uh, uh, I enjoyed that. Uh, but also, uh, 
Saris uh, was also my choice for recasting. Okay. And I thought like uh, an actor who would perfectly play Saris uh, easily would be Big Bang Theory's Jim Parsons. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Perfect. That works. Perfect casting. Um, recasting choice for you, Nuno? I wasn't a fan of the crone being, I think, CG. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. um, I would have liked a practical effects crone because this show had a lot of good practical makeup. See, and uh, so you're recasting uh, I, 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 VFX a special effect to, effects. A, to a I human like being. I like yeah, it. You know I what? Like I like it. it. It's yeah. good. Uh, I was searching on this one because I was thinking, ah, I kind of liked all of the, like, I think the choices for the, the characters. I almost went Christian Slater, but I couldn't think of who to, to, to change him with. Sure. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. So I ended up going pretty controversial, pretty controversial here. I'm saying we replace Alora Dannon, like the actress who played Alora okay. Dannon, yep. with the original grown-up actress of Alora Dannon, the baby Alora Dannon, who's Rebecca Bierman. There you go. Just to keep, just for that trilogy cred. Just, I mean, but- I don't even think she's an actor. Uh, I understand probably why they wouldn't ask her <laughs> back for the role. Um, but give me it's my it's my choice, my vision. I want trilogy cred. I want baby Alora Dannon as she is now. So Google 35 35 year old? 35 year old Rebecca yeah. Bierman. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> spend spend some more money on the on the face uh the time time travel face oh, uh, yes. effects yep. and uh just get her tune that girl up. I want some I want some trilogy cred here. I want it. Um, all right, let's get into our uh, our top five moments. Uh, for I'll go first. Um, uh, my number five is just the makeup and the practical effects. Uh, I thought uh, overall they're really good. Specifically, like the 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 possessed characters, I thought they they looked super cool, and the look of uh, of the demons. Uh, my number four, uh, the party at the the Bone Reavers. It was very similar to the forest moon of endor ewok village uh yub nub party <laughs> i enjoyed that um my number three would be like the the movie the willow movie recap in episode one i thought that was super important for me uh <laughs> number two kenneth the mudmander and uh number one my favorite moment it was at the end of episode uh four when they're they decide that they're going to head into the forest uh where the bone reavers end up uh being and they 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 the director wanted a shot of of the the six of them like running together into the forest like they were charging uh warwick davis has little legs and he was running top speed yeah, and, and you could tell jogging. that the other actors were yeah. were were trying to look like they were running yeah. fast, but they were clearly not running fast. And I probably rewound that scene six times because <laughs> I laughed so hard because it looked so dumb. Uh, I get what they were trying to do, but it just looks like the actor that played Borman, he was like six foot five yeah. and the strides that he was taking, it looked like he was running in slow motion. It was very silly looking, but that was my favorite moment of the series. That's funny. Nuno, your top five. All right. Number five was um, the awful costuming, especially the uh, 
the Canadian tuxedos, the denim throughout, and the leather jackets, contemporary style leather jackets. Uh, number four, um, Graydon's uh, flashback of his possession that cast his real life brothers. Yeah, good call. Uh, number three, just the main cast. I liked their chemistry, and I thought for the most part, they were actually, you know, pretty funny and, you know, likable. Number two, uh, the Gales with the awesome villains, great names, the Scourge, the Doom, the Dag, and the Lich. And number one, uh, Willow, played by Warwick Davis. Um, I thought it was a great return for the character. Um, they didn't pull a Luke Skywalker by making him kind of like bitter and, you know, kind of like, <laughs> you know, they, 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 they didn't take the character. He's still an inspiring figure. He's still heroic. Uh, he did a great job. Dax? Okay, uh, number five would be the sea creature or the sea snail or whatever that pulls the, like that whole sequence with the pulling of their cart for two weeks on the, and that journey, it kind of felt very never ending story and I liked it. That's Kenneth the Mudmander. Kenneth, the, yeah, that's right. The Mudmander? Mud, Mudmander. Nice, yeah, that was cool. Um, four, uh, something very near and dear to my heart because I've experienced it many times is uh, at the very beginning of the show, uh, Laura Dannon gets motion sick in the carriage and pukes on Warwick Davis. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought, and he's like, oh, yeah, oh. I was like, oh, that was actually pretty pretty awesome that they put that in. Have you uh, been the, the puker or the pukey? Uh, I've been, well, actually, technically, uh, I've, I think I'm, I was the pukey. I don't think I've actually puked in the car, but I've got motion sickness in the car, but I haven't okay. puked. My brother, I have great... <laughs> I was going on a, 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 a trip with my uncle. My uncle would like rarely, like my uncle took us skiing on weekends. Like we didn't do a lot, but he did take us to some weird things. Like, so it was just kind of like memories that seem out of place. But one weekend he took me and my brother to the CN Tower to like, so we could go up the CN Tower or whatever. Right. Anyways, we get up in the morning. We, he always woke us up really early to like go on these trips or whatever like that. So like we're eating, like my, I think my mom had made eggs or something like scrambled eggs. We eat our breakfast, toast, all that kind of shit. Right. <laughs> get in the car sure enough my brother gets car sick and hurls all over like like <laughs> scrambled eggs all over my jacket <laughs> oh no all over his jacket in the is it his jacket anyway there was a, we had a soup we had a superman jackets i remember there was a super it was a superman winter jacket and <laughs> it was at the, my feet in the front seat of the car and my brother was sitting in the middle seat of like doing all those old cars like the Lincoln yep. cars at the middle and whatever so he was sitting in that and he just started hurling just this sour putrid egg into <laughs> the hood of this Superman jacket like it was just filling up the hood <laughs> and uh, and sure enough my uncle had this whole thing where he, he had to like, he took it to some car wash and washed it out with water in the bathroom and my brother he made my brother wear the jacket because it was winter so it smelled like wet hot sour <laughs> eggs it was the worst we the elevator on the ride up the cn tower everyone's like off to the side like they're doing like that because my brother's just standing there in a puke jacket it was fucking it's a great story but really out there so yeah uh the pukey yes i've been the pukey he was splashing on my legs um uh, so anyways yeah number four uh when she puked on him and uh yep. willow uh, number three would be the score uh leaving out all of the stuff we talked about before the actual fantasy score make me feel like it was willow to the vistas the 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 set pieces that are walking through the natural sets uh i, th I thought if it had very lord of the ringsy vibe of that kind of big grandiose helicopter shots or drone shots or whatever that that looked really nice and stuff so i like that a lot 
Um, and number one would be the VFX of the combat, the, the the demon stuff, the smoke effects. I really enjoyed the kind of Darth Vader sequence uh, in when she was fighting Kale in the Nakmorma castle. Uh, Kale's got the skull mask, the skeletor yep. looking dude, mm-hmm. and he was like a you know it was like all that swooshy kind of smoke over the 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 dream effects and stuff of like that. I just I thought they did a great job with the magic and all that kind of stuff. So that's my number one. Nice. Um, all right, so that's uh, that's episode fourteen of the podcast in the books. Um, uh, according to an email I got, we are the number one television review podcast in both <laughs> Malaysia and Luxembourg. So nice. shout out to my Malaysians and Luxembourgites. Yeah, we're glad you like the show, guys. Uh, you can uh, follow us on uh, on Twitter, TV Junk Podcast. You saw us to check out Ball Junk Podcast. Follow me on uh, on Twitter, Gasman Lives, and uh, Gasman Lives on uh, Instagram for photos of Sweet Thirsty Chester. And uh, Nuno, where can people find you? Uh, at my website nuno p or nunop.com where you can see my um variant covers and links to all my socials dax where can we find you uh you can find me on daxgordine.com uh has all linked to all my socials uh if you're for those i forgot i should be plugging this i have a kickstarter with my raid studio going on right now for a sweet this might be up your alley there, Greg. Uh, no, no forcing you guys or anything. You too, Nuno. But it's we're doing like a 1990s Marvel style card collection. Oh, nice, because you, you got. I think you got my second book, didn't you? Yep. Didn't, yeah. So you must have gotten my Filbert and Thomas card that looks like the 90s Marvel cards. Yes. So based on that one, we decided to do a whole 100 card set from all the creators at raid and some studios outside of that. So some successful uh, colleagues around in comics. And uh, so we're doing like a, a giant set of that where you can buy box packs and they're all wrapped. Oh, so, amazing. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really cool. Awesome. So like forest folk are going to be in there. I've got some of my, my widow one, which is my wizard stories in there. And of course all the people. So I should probably promote that. You can, you can go over to my um, it's on for the next, I think 16 days. We're almost at the, the goal of 15,000. So we need to hit that and then go beyond for some really cool stretch goals. But uh, if you go to my, maybe we can put a link in the description of the show or whatever, but if you go to my um, uh, Instagram, all my stories will be for the next couple of weeks. We'll have links that you can just hit and, and check out that Kickstarter to be if you, if you're into that kind of thing, but yeah. So that's that. Awesome. No, no, no gum in the packs. Uh, there, we were talking about putting gum in the packs, believe it or not. Like, it, like it's a very like the guy who's st- uh, doing it is a very retro thing. Like, he's yeah. really into it, like, trying to make it as real as possible. Um, I kind of lost my shit when I saw like because he's done a mock up for like what the box pack or the what are they call blister packs or whatever the box sure. is, and it looks awesome because it's like how you remember right with the flap that yep. lifts it up and all that kind of shit. Um, like I think you get that for like a hundred bucks or something like that, and you have a ch- pretty good chance of getting the whole set and all this stuff because there's only a hundred cards in there. But um, yeah, uh, I don't know. If, I think that maybe a stretch goal would be bubble gum put in the nice. packs or something like that. So it, it's cool. It's it's a neat little thing for the people that are into the old old style collectible stuff. So I have a uh, I had I had all those. I collected all those cards yeah, uh, in the nineties of the, of yeah, the yeah. Marvels. Um, there was one uh, series called Marvel Masterworks. I remember that um, one, yeah. Uh, I can't remember the name of the artist, but they were very they were very painted uh yeah. characters. Yeah. Um yeah. I think I think and... they're I think they're brothers. It was a pair of brothers who were who who did oil paintings, I think. Maybe. And uh I have a uh, I have a sealed 
case of, of oh, the, wow. the packs that I that I've, I've got somewhere that I you know hasn't been touched in. I wonder you know. if there's a. I mean, the thing is though, with that kind of stuff, right? It's it's worth whatever somebody's willing to pay. But exactly. Sure the, the value is the individual. that would want a sealed one of that. That's kind of cool. I'm sure it's got these... like a a Nightcrawler rookie card in there or something yeah, like right, that. Probably. You never know. Uh, all right, guys, thanks for uh, checking out the show, and um, you, know, you can go and uh, listen to all our previous episodes uh, where you found this one. And uh, we'll see you for episode 15. Thanks for listening. You can watch Mr. Rogers. You can watch Three Company, and you can turn on Fame or the Newlywed Game or the Adams Family. Say you can watch Barney Miller. You can watch your MTV, and you can watch till your eyes fall out of your head.